0: Hey, Blunders, on this week's show, we break down a ton of trailers. Movies are back in theaters, so we review Quiet Place 2 and Corolla. and John Krasinski is our guest.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.
2: Hello, Blenders,
0: and welcome. Welcome to episode number 166 of Real Blend, a podcast that can finally talk about a quiet place, part two. Thank you very much. Come on, nothing. We don't have to be quiet anymore, Sean? Is that what you're saying? Thank you, Kevin. Yes, okay, you okay. can now be vocal about vocal. <laughs> I said vocal. That can finally be vocal about a quiet place, part two. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. And this is The Real Blend Podcast. And on this week's show, trailers! We have so many trailers to get to. A lot of exciting things coming. And as Gabe pointed out uh, heading into this week's show, we now have a major release coming out every single week from now to the end of the year. So it feels like we've turned some sort of corner and are inching back to normalcy. We're also going to go... Um, Talking about those movies coming to theaters, we're going to review A Quiet Place Part 2 and Cruella. Uh, and John Krasinski <laughs> is our guest with a big caveat that we will describe uh, right before we throw it to that interview. And by we, I mean Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev.
3: Hi, and can I just say how excited I am that movies are back? Like, we, it feels like we are back. Like, in the sense that, like, there are two massive releases this week in theaters. It just feel, And again... not, you know, not diminishing everything that's going on. There's still we're still dealing with the pandemic, but I just feel like movies are back. I feel like we are in uh, some type of quote unquote normalcy in terms of releases. And uh, I'm just excited that movie theaters are reopening. And and, you know, I bought tickets to A Quiet Place Part 2 tomorrow night just to go see it again with take Lauren to see it. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Here's how I know we're officially back. Um, I'm mad that there are people in bigger cities than Charlotte that have seen uh, two major movies that i'm really anticipating one is in the heights which both of you guys have seen in the heights and i have not yet seen it yet and the other is fanine which i'm not (laughs) able to see yet and yet a lot of people in new york and los angeles have seen it so uh hopefully soon we'll all get a chance to check out the latest from uh the (laughs) torettos the latest episode in the soap opera the torettos uh i also have to introduce jake hamilton of fox 32 in chicago hi jake
4: it's also interesting uh, when a trailer comes out now. I don't watch it and doubt the mm. release date on it. You know, for the last year, a trailer would come out and it would have a release date. And I'd go, ah, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. Now a trailer. You know, uh, last night in Soho, the trailer comes out, which I know we're going to talk about later, and it says October, and I go, cool. I'll see it. I'll see it in October. Yep. Like you know, I, I'm a little bit more confident in watching trailers these days, which is nice.
0: Well, we're going to get the trailers in a heartbeat. Uh, before we get there, let's do some housekeeping if you're watching us on the YouTube channel. Uh, hello. Thank you for joining us here and taking in the visual aspect of the show. Uh, while you're here, hit subscribe, turn on notifications, and follow us every single week here on the Robland Podcast. Podcast. Uh, of course, we're available everywhere you get. Audio podcast needs met. And in addition to uh, being able to be downloaded and hopefully you subscribe to us on a weekly basis, the Premium Channel, uh, and last week's Premium episode was one of my favorites of all time, where we discussed the 2011... 2011- oscars which is the big social network uh inception king speech era was a lively spirited conversation uh that i think people would really enjoy so if you want to check out the real blend premium we now have a new website cinemablend.com backslash real blend premium now why did it take us so long to get to that point because that's a pretty easy url to fix gabe why don't you explain to us why it's taken us this long to get the website cinemablend.com backslash real blend premium
5: uh, things move slow. You know, when you're this, when you're this successful and hot, you know, things <laughs> things move real slow. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's very true. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we have that website up right now. It's in the description of the podcast. So go down and if you want to subscribe to the premium episode and get not just uh, a Monday episode, but an ad-free podcast experience and a newsletter from myself uh, that gets written every other week, head over there and sign up. Okay. What so, do you write about? It's a great question. Um, I'd have to go back and and check and see. But I will write about the Marvel movies coming back or right after the Oscars, I wrote a column about what's what's going to win next year. It's whatever. It's whatever strikes my fancy uh, the day that I have to write the newsletter. (laughs) And then I also make um, a recommendation, a movie streaming week recommendation based on what's coming up. Uh, This. Oh, this past newsletter was the five, my five most anticipated summer movies.
4: And um, you, you don't, you don't, You're not going to share those with us? We well, don't deserve to know them? You just subscribe to the newsletter.
2: I don't have $5 a month. <laughs> my number
0: one, should I give away my number one? This is premium content. I can give it away now. True. It was in the Heights. My number one is Ooh, in the Heights. I've seen it. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, <laughs> it's, It is still my most anticipated, because <laughs> I haven't yet seen it. <laughs> and it's very anticipated, because I've heard you two rave about it. How great it is. Kevin's like, oh, we should get the director. I'm like, I should get a screening. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be a great idea if I could. Uh, The weekly poll. So with Cruella coming out and taking a gauge of, we've seen a couple of these Disney live action films, Cinderella, Jake's favorite, The Lion King. Uh, I wanted to ask the people, how are we feeling about these live action Disney remakes? Uh, Kev, I gave people two options. Keep them coming. Or stop ruining my childhood. Where do you think people went? <laughs> well, it's, it,
3: it's so interesting because I feel like the general consensus surrounding the live-action remakes is negative. But Mm -hmm. I actually have liked quite a bit of them. I really love The Jungle Book. I thought that I actually liked Lion King. I know Jake didn't love it. Uh, And I also really liked Cruella, which we're going to get into in our reviews later. But um, I'm going to assume that our audience went with the negative route, which is don't stop ruining my childhood, just because I think that's the general social media consensus for Disney remakes uh, live action wise. But I thought Jungle Book was outstanding and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what they do with it. I, it it's obviously a retread. They're retreading on uh, on previous material, but that's all Hollywood does anyways. So I don't really know why that's a surprise. But um, but in terms of this, I, I, I think our audience went with the negative.
0: 76% of the people said, stop ruining my childhood. Yeah. Um, where did you sense. fall on Aladdin, Kev? I forget. I, I didn't like Aladdin. No?
3: <laughs> I did not like Aladdin. I mean, but also, I think my problem with Aladdin was that it had no it had didn't have Guy Ritchie's voice on it. So right. I like I I wanted Guy Ritchie's Aladdin not Disney's Aladdin directed <laughs> by Guy Ritchie. So right. uh if if we had gone a little like Snatch and lock, stock or Two Smoking Barrels editing style throughout that and kind of made it a little more Guy Ritchie like why do you hire Guy Ritchie to do a movie like that if you're not going to let him use his voice? You know what I mean? So I uh... that's I uh, think
5: Guy Ritchie takes the job because he gets a lot of money. I think Well, him. you're right. He, take,
3: he takes the job because the movie makes a billion dollars, and then he can make Gentleman and Wrath uh, of Man afterwards. Wrath that's right? of
0: yeah. Right. Uh, the reason that I thought Aladdin wasn't going to work um, was Will Smith, and then he actually ended up being pretty entertaining. He was good.
4: Yeah. Will Smith was good in that movie. Does, <laughs> doesn't it bother you, though, that that's the most successful film of his career? Yes. Extremely. Yes.
3: I mean, you could probably say that about a lot of people, right? I bet Sam Jackson's most successful film was some Star Wars movie, yeah. right? I would say, it's or probably some, in the, or Avengers. It's, it's, it's Endgame. Something. Yeah. Well, even... Well, he's one shot in Endgame. <laughs> he What'd a, you say again? He's in
5: one scene. Maybe yeah. we should just redefine success. You know?
4: Is it successful my, if everyone makes fun of it? Yeah, I feel like, you know what? It's not that people make fun of it. I think people just don't talk about it, which is even worse. Like, my, my thing with the... Um, Disney live-action remakes, I, I, I wouldn't even, I, you know, because I feel like I, my added, everyone, I'm known for being, like, super negative about it, I wouldn't have voted, like, stop ruining my childhood. My vote would be just do exactly what they're doing with Cruella. Like, if you're going to tap back into that IP, give me a different variation or perspective of that. Like, I would have loved, mm. if they wanted to do the, quote-unquote, live-action Lion King, I would have loved Scar. Like, what, what happened between him and Mufasa back in the day? Like, did he get the Scar? And then he got the nickname, or was it just ironic that he that his name is Scar and then he has a scar? Like, like what's <laughs> like, like give me that story. Like honestly, I yeah. even really loved um, the Christopher Robin movie. Like I, I loved mm-hmm. that movie. You know, like give me give me a different perspective of a story. I think I know kind of thing. Don't just mm-hmm. freaking remake the same exact movie I've already seen a thousand times. I remember asking Chewy Tellit for it because he played Scar in the in the
3: live action one, right? It or did. the. Reem, he yeah. he he said he built in a story about the scar specifically, but he wouldn't tell it to me. Um, but like, like in the sense that like he actually had a story built in as to how he got the scar. Uh, so was he always if, named Scar? I don't know. I wonder if Irons had something uh, had a story built in for oh, it. I Irons would imagine is brilliant. Irons well, is brilliant as that. I guess the cool thing about the scar is in terms of the first one is I, I kind of like that we don't know because it just, I just assume that like in term, but in terms of we know that that scar happened in some kind of battle and some kind of. So you think like, his name do,
4: is like, you think his name's like Daryl and then and John and then, something, and, yeah. then, and then he got the scar and they're like, no, he's like, no, I'm going my scar now. Right. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I'm
3: glad you said, no, no Wait, is, is Cr- does Cruella really fall under this, um, under this conversation since it's not a remake, it's more of a prequel or is that, is that, is this different?
0: That's a good question.
4: Yeah. I think it falls under the umbrella of, of, kind of what we're in the same way that like yeah you know uh uh, you know the christopher robin one i would still call a live action version yeah that's
0: that's fair that's kind of why we lumped it into this conversation so uh okay so let's throw it to this week's interview uh which is john krasinski and this is when 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 did we do when did we do this how deep is this is pretty funny we were just in did you guys do this um, without me like last week or something (laughs) we were in a staff meeting where we're running clips on the site of myself and emily blunt and my boss said um i saw you talking to emily blunt um on the site uh was that virtual and i was like no it's a year and a half old he had no idea um because he was not here when when we filmed that uh interview so this was the last interview that we conducted before Everything shut down. And we've mentioned this on the show a couple of different times, um, but it's kind of wild to go back and listen to this again. And it was interesting because, and we can give a little uh, breakdown behind the scenes, the studio did offer us a little bit more time with Krasinski, like very little, uh, because he's doing a ton of press and is limited. But they said, if you have to clean up anything, you know, if there's anything that's super old, and not relevant anymore or is uncomfortable because of covid now and we listened to the whole thing and i guess to our credit you know we didn't make it timely or you know really in the moment um i was able to listen to our interview all the way through and it was as if we'd seen the movie you know last week and and then had a conversation with him about the filmmaking of it and that speaks to to the movie you know the movie is in my opinion really great and we'll review it later on uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff to get into here. It's spoiler-free. Gabe, right? That's fair, fair to say? Yeah, mm-hmm. Gabe says it is. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? What do you remember about just doing this interview?
4: Well, I mean, I, I think... I rem- yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, I, I just remember it was a really... I, and I think one of the reasons that that COVID wasn't brought up in the conversation is because it was this really weird time... Where none of us really knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means do I want to say because we definitely weren't like that anyone was joking about it, but there definitely was this feeling of like we don't know what to do or how to act. I remember when when before he walked in the room, we were told like, hey, there's going to be no hugs, no shaking hands, kind of thing. And then we walked in. If I remember right, guys, they were sort of this like, ah, can't can't shake your hand, can't you know? But then we like would lean in, like we all got kind of a really close selfie with him. So there they're really like no one really knew. Uh, kind of what to do right? in a weird way, very similar to, to kind of right now, where even now, like, I find people are going in for handshakes, and I don't know if I mm. am going in for handshakes or people are like ready for hugs, and I'm like, I don't know how, I, like, I feel now we're kind of back in this, like, I don't know what to do, which is kind of what I feel like if we were to do this interview today would almost be the same thing. We're like, wait, what do we do? We'd probably lean in for a selfie, but maybe we wouldn't shake hands. It's this really weird uncertainty where no one knew what was, we we sure as hell didn't realize it was gonna be the last time the three of us were, this was the last time the three of us were in a room together. Physically bizarre. in a room together. It's truly yeah. bizarre. And,
3: and there's some really great photos behind the scenes, which I, I think we'll, hopefully we can share them um, when we, when we release this podcast. Uh, but just some great like shots of us all around the table together talking. Um, it was a special trip because uh, of everything that Jake just said in terms of it was the last time we were all three together. Um, there were some great memories. We, we all went and saw the film and then we got pizza late that night oh, um, down, that down by the hotel. And there's a great photo of us like o- over the pizza with the, these amazing pepperonis. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you guys
4: know like the pepperonis that like make little bowls. Yeah, like, little, and, it, and all, bowl the, pepperoni? all the grease is in the. Yes, yeah, the and bowl. they like it <laughs> contains the grease in like the it little bowls. So, Don't give us the rap,
0: Gabe. It was like one a.m. and there was a line to get into the place. Yeah, like, that's Huge, kind of which is always I a good I sign. Amazing about New York City. Uh, but this is this is in person in New York City talking about a quiet place part two with the great director uh, John Krasinski.
3: Tell Ryan, we said congrats on Knives Out. So good to success. see you, man. Thank yeah. you, man. Good,
4: good to see you, too. Thank Thank you. You so doing, doing this. Movies. Thank please, God, please. This, God. A... this movie is good. It makes me so happy. <laughs> we oh, it makes me happy. We, oh, we were up to 1 a.m.
3: writing questions last night, and then this morning we did a we do a thing called a geek out breakfast, and we did a breakfast, and we write we wrote like 15 questions. We know we don't we have limited time, so we're going to try to get through as much as we can with you, but we're really excited to talk to you, man. Awesome. So, yeah, it's a big filmmaking dive. I love it. Let's do it. All
0: right. Let's dive right in. Okay. Um. There's a sound in your movie that I didn't expect uh, to terrify me uh, as early as it did. It's the sound of a pitch uh, hitting a a glove. Yeah. Uh, Because, and again, in that opening scene, and we're we're trying to dance around spoilers. Yeah, of course. It's a very noisy town. Um, It's a small town baseball, uh, Mm -hmm. and my kids grew up playing baseball. And I can remember when my 11-year-old was playing 14U baseball And for the very first time, a man standing on the mound, you know, of a kid who just had a growth spurt, threw a fastball in, and it hit the leather, and my kid looked over at me, and his face said, I'm done with baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
6: I think I had the exact same face Uh, when I looked over at my dad. I was like, no. Yeah, really? (laughs) No, I don't need any of this.
0: So I'm curious, if, when putting these two movies together, if there are sounds that you discovered that aren't like, a monster's coming, but just sounds that terrify you for, like, personal reasons. Yeah,
6: I mean, certainly <laughs> the opening of the movie, we had so much fun with that. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, we we got to have a lot of fun with sound in the beginning because it's before it all happens, sure. right? So you can kind of see from the trailer that day one's happening, but, you know, we pushed the birds, we pushed cars driving by, we pushed all these things. I mean, for me, I think, you know, a car horn in the opening can mm-hmm. be really, really scary. That was, that was, um, that still gets me. Um, And then there is a, I don't want to give it away, but there's a creature in the movie that is not our creature, Mm. but a creature that you know every day. Yeah. That is, I think, the biggest scare in the movie. Right. right, Right. Very true. You know, we like, all know what we're talking about Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're, Touch we're, the we're, in
4: we're in on that, that joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my biggest fears after seeing part one and the thought of a part two was I didn't want any of you guys to over-explain. I loved the mystery of it, and I love. I, I think I
6: read on your Twitter you were like, "I will kill this dude if he does a sequel," and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh, so dude. you read? Right, you did read yeah, that? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You did read yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 awesome. that?
4: Awesome. Extreme. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's an extreme movie. One of the things I loved about this movie is that you don't overexplain it. You give just just enough. What is a question you absolutely do not want answered? I mean, I've answered all the questions for me,
6: not to sound nerdy, but I definitely, but since you guys have Geek fest i I've joined in on that i i uh I had to answer all the questions for myself. It's about how much I want to tell other people, and the simple reason is this, not that I want to be like clever by half it's 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 really an idea of I think the less information you have, put it this way: the more information you have, the more ahead of the characters you are. Mm. And if I let you get ahead of the characters, you're no longer experiencing this world with them. You are saying like, oh, man, if you only knew that they uh, are bulletproof, you wouldn't shoot at them. You know, it's like stuff like that Mm -hmm. that you don't you want to learn as they find it out. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so scary. And so I think if you have the information, things become less Mm -hmm. scary. I think that your imagination is the scariest thing we all have. And so I think that in real terms, whether it's a hurricane or a natural disaster or any other horrible disaster that goes on in the world, I think what makes them so terrifying is that no one understands what's going on until you get out of it, you know, until you look back and see it. So I, I wanted to give the, the sense that this is a horrific experience that's happening to this town and you're a part of it.
4: So do you know stuff that we are never, ever going to know?
6: I don't – I mean, I know stuff that you don't know now, and I don't know when you would – I don't know when you would know it, Um like, I don't know. If I kind of like that, though. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like that. Because the beauty yeah. is, you're the writer. Like, right. You could change yeah. stuff. Totally. <laughs> I could movie. also be lying. <laughs>
1: I
3: could also be lying about what I know. <laughs> I love that you shoot 35. Um, uh, this is my favorite shot from the first. Movie, the set photo of you and like that barn element, like with the film thirty five Panavision camera yeah, right yeah, there, yeah. because I love the way the grain swims on this on the screen. Um, That's awesome. And when Killian Murphy's I'm gonna on screen, yeah. say like, swim. That's I love good. the swimming <laughs> grain, and then mixed with uh, Beltrami's score, it's just a perfect thing. Both of them are leading characters. Your camera's yeah, yeah. leading I character. Agree. I totally agree. Um, I want to talk about your choice as a director to shoot thirty five, because a lot of people are shooting digital now. Um, what was your reasoning for that? And also, you had have had two female DPs, mm-hmm. which I love. Two different female DPs. Yep. Is that a conscious decision or is it just a coincidence?
6: You know, the whole um, female DP, female leads in my movie. Like, there's There's a lot of conversation about, you know, girl power. Uh, you know, I would love to say it's because I'm the father of girls or I grew up with a really strong mom. I think it's because I'm a human being. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never saw it as, you know, a feminist movie or it's really feminist to hire women DPs. I'm selfish, so I'm going to go for the most talented person. I'm going to go for the best story. I'm going to go for whatever that is. And for me in my world... That means that uh, women are going to be the leads of movies. Men can be the leads of movies. But do I love, I love the fact that I have a badass warrior princess at the end of my movie? Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But as far as shooting film, um, it was one of those things where, you know, this really goes to something. I, w- I would say somebody like Spielberg was hugely influential in this, not, not in, in, uh, in specific. I didn't talk to him about it. But I think all his movies that he shot on film, especially the ones I grew up in, feel immediately nostalgic. Yes. So there was something about this movie that I said, as soon as that frame starts and as soon as you see a first image, I want you to immediately be like, oh, I saw this movie in 1986 or 2028. Like, it, it just feels like it could be anytime, anywhere. And I think film for this particular movie does that. That's not to say I'll always shoot on film. I've shot three of my movies on film, which is great. And... Um, it's really about what it does to the story, and what this one I thought really did. We had to fight really hard to shoot on film on this one because, again, digital's come so far. Everybody keeps harder on this you, one
3: than the first one.
6: Yeah, because I think people realize that wow, digital would save you so much money, and it's actually not true. Uh, mm-hmm. Film is not that, or at least for us. You know, we had amazing partners at Kodak, and um, we actually didn't end up you know spending much more than we would have with digital. It was just about quickness. That is something, you know, transfers and getting dailies is definitely much faster on digital. But for me, I was willing to take that sacrifice to to give that nostalgia. Vibe. Yeah.
3: I tapped you in the yes. beginning of the film. I yep. said, Jake, because I think that wide opening shot of the yep. street. I'm like, Jake, look at this. The grain swimming on that street. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it looks Kevin. So good. Shut the fuck up. No, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love like, it. <laughs> <like>, nerd. <laughs> we say that often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, each to each other. I just like that. So.
0: Uh, OK, so, you know, people have bucket lists and you never really know what's on a bucket list until you hear about an item. Uh, you had one offered to you uh, of Stephen King saying, if you ever want to use my Red Sox tickets, please let me know. Yeah. And your reaction to it was the greatest in the world. So I need to know, like, did you ever take him up on that?
6: <laughs> and have you
0: ever had a chance to just like talk to him and, and pick his brain? Because it feels like these come very much from a, a place of his storytelling.
6: Well, that's really nice. I mean, his um, his love for this movie was, the whole response to this was overwhelming. And And this second movie, as I've told you guys individually is, I never wanted to do a sequel. Yeah. And weirdly because I have I've realized I was an audience member before I was a director or a writer or an actor. And the audience member in me said, like, Oof, be weary of sequels. Like, they're usually a cash grab by the studio. Yeah. They're usually not as good. And they're not a- having anything to do with the first one. And so I really wanted to, to, to do that. What I think about his writing is he is always world first. He's always characters first. He sure. puts you in that vibe. So anyway, the whole... Uh, the first movie was so overwhelming the response to it but him in particular being from Boston being a fan of his he not only was incredibly kind publicly but then we had an email exchange where he was uh, very specific about what he loved about the movie and I was completely and totally blown away I have not taken him up on his Red Sox tickets, but
4: I will definitely do that someday. That would be amazing.
0: As long as it goes with you. Yeah,
4: right. exactly. Yeah, so as an Astros fan, are you guys accepting uh, anyone into your into your bandwagon fandom?
6: Let's just talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: you mentioned uh, uh, horror sequels and, and, and how often they they fail, and you really look at uh, you know like Jaws two is just horrible. I mean, there are so many examples of, of part two that are mm-hmm. horrible. What did you learn from horror sequels? that what they did wrong to maybe try to avoid that with this
6: it's really funny i didn't look at horror sequels at all i i I looked at my own storytelling and i thought i genuinely can't beat the first one i can't that was so personal to me like i've said many times it's a love letter to my kids it's all about how i feel about parenting yeah so i said to the studio go find someone else who's as passionate about the second one as i was about the first one and then i had this tiny idea which i mentioned in press a couple times i was like i have this tiny idea if if it manifests whatever and our producer, Drew Form, said to me, no problem, we'll go to another writer-director. or director. Well, you just write an outline for them in this little idea you have. Turns out he was the greatest Jedi mind tricker in all of time because <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, let me just bang out this outline. And then as I was typing, I was like, god damn it, I'm directing this movie. Um, but the idea was that Millie would be the lead. And, and it wasn't – I didn't mean that as a stunt that she would be an amazing lead. Of course she's an, an insanely talented actress. It was about what she did, what that character does for the second movie is it opens up the door to re-investigate, relive a lot of the themes that I was dealing with in the first one. So for me, if the first movie is about, um, you know, the promise you make to your kids as parents that if you stick with me, I can keep you safe forever. That's a false promise. And every parent knows that it will be broken one day. Kids don't know that. Mm -hmm. And I think the day that kids find out that it's a broken promise is the day you grow up. It's the day you begin adolescence. It's the day you begin realize you have to take your first steps. If you want to be a hero, you have to be a hero for yourself. It's also a weird moment for parents where you realize now that they realize I'm not there, oh my God, are they going to be everything I wanted them to be? And it turns out Millie goes on to be everything I wanted and more. It brings in all these incredible ideas of love and support and the safety net that is gone. They can't be on the farm anymore. But weirdly, my character lives in them more than I could have on camera, in my opinion. And then the other thing, it sort of brought up with these ideas of community, right? I love the idea that the youth in the movie, Emily in the first movie was like, we can't just survive. We have to thrive. We have to be more than this. And I think in the second movie, what I love is she's handed a dose of reality where she's like, you know what? Screw that. Let's just survive and go back to that. And it's her daughter who says, no way. Like if we have the answer, we have to bring it to the rest of the world. Hmm. And so this idea of community, I think we've become an individualistic society due to tech and whatever, which is totally understandable. But I think we've lost that side of community. And I think that Killian's character, what I wrote, was the big representation of reality, which is happening these days, which is, do I just protect myself or do I go out on a limb for my neighbor? Now, the reason why steel mills are in the movie so much is because my grandfather, I wrote it for him, he not only worked at a steel mill, my dad worked at a steel mill, but that steel mill town, Mm. when no one economically had the money to share regardless, they would give all the money they had to their neighbor. It was non-negotiable that you help out your neighbor and your friend. So I grew up with this huge sense of community. And so in the movie, I really loved that Killian, even in the trailer, poses the big thesis statement, which is they're not the kind of people worth saving. And Millie debunks that by saying, I I think you're wrong, and I think we have to fight for it. That's that kind of hope that I think I loved about Spielberg movies and all these things. It gives you this hope of, wow, not only, yes, are the kids the heroes, but there's something bigger at play here. This isn't just a scary movie for me, and that's what really personally— that's the longest answer ever, but no, that was a great answer.
3: I appreciate you as a film. I think you're a great director, Thank great you. filmmaker. I appreciate you because you've made me more aware of sound design. Um, I remember seeing Brian De Palma's Blowout and thinking about the sound design in yeah. that. And I just saw Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man, very big on okay, sound I'm design. It's very scary, and like so, you do a great job with sound design because I find I myself understanding how important that mm-hmm. job is. Yep. I wanted to ask you this since the first one. In a scene where the actors are being completely silent and having to tiptoe on leaves or touch certain things, when you film it and then you go to edit, do you remove the gnat sound
6: completely and then add in those effects? That way you don't have anything extra? Is it a mixture? No, it's a really good question. We had to evolve it because the weird thing on the first one was I think our crew of 300 people on the first one in the beginning probably all had this um, assumption, which I totally understood, that... Well, this is basically a silent movie, so they'll mm. just build all the sound. And so people were more loud on our set than I've ever been on a set <laughs> <laughs> until we really got it you know, communicated that like we're actually going to give it a shot to do all this. In the second movie, we made it sort of paramount, right? You know, no pun intended. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but we we really made that uh, really important. And we ended up, and I know the sound designers were really happy because we really were able to use a lot more production value, uh, oh. production sound in this one than we were on the first one, especially in the opening, or I should say, You know, after the title credit, when we're back at the farm and stuff like that, there was really good sound there. And it was cool. It was it was this evolving thing, you know, and our sound designers are so damn talented that they they don't have a playbook. Mm. Their playbook is winning and their playbook is mad scientist level excitement for trying new things. Um, They ended up becoming one of my favorite collaborations on the process because they're so good and brought so many ideas. And then were so open to me throwing every single one of them out if I had to. And in doing that, that's how we found Millie's envelope. You know what I mean? Very late in the process, I said to the sound guys, I was like, you know, I talked to Millie's mom one day and I asked if she could hear. And she said she actually can. She has this very muffled sense of the world. So like if you slammed a car door behind her, she'd actually hear it. It would just be very low. And she can hear little bits of um, sound when you talk to her. And that's why her mom always uh, vocally talks to her when she's signing. And I said, wow, let's, let's throw that in there. Let's throw that in the first movie. And our sound designers went crazy. It was like so exciting to them, you mm-hmm. know? And what ended up happening is it was one of my favorite memories of the first movie, which mm-hmm. is at the premiere, mm-hmm. Millie's mom came up to me crying as hard as I've ever seen anybody cry. And she said, you gave me something I never thought I'd get, which is I got to live one day in the world of my daughter right oh, there. God. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like the
3: moment in the movie when, you, like, when the sound's out and you grab her uh, shoulders and the sound yes back yes. in. Yes. I just love stuff like oh. that. But yeah,
0: Go ahead. Um, you now are... Uh, I blew Sean's brain. He's like,
6: uh. I, I literally,
0: for, first off, you gave me such an existential crisis when you were talking about parenting and getting your kids ready to be the people that, that they want to be, that I haven't recovered from that yet yeah. because I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. Good luck. And your kids are much younger, so I don't know how you're that wise yet because <laughs> you have no idea what's coming. And so just strap in. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of my next question. No, you now are in charge of what is essentially a franchise. And what I find interesting is that you have said, this is not a sequel, it's a continuation. Um, it you can continue this storyline. Let's put it that way, because uh, I don't want to give any anything away. Um, but are you concerned at all that you have young stars, uh, who, if you don't start working with them right away, uh, age drastically? Because mm-hmm. I mean, people who don't see my kids for a long period of time come in and they just go, "God, they look so completely yeah. different." um but you, you have squatters in your house and you're like oh those are my kids yeah you're able but, to
3: use noah though in the pre in the day one stuff which is interesting mm-hmm. but yeah
0: like my oldest pj will come into the room and people haven't seen him and they're just like you know shocked so how do you do that as a filmmaker if you want to keep going in a way it's a really good question you know, i mean
6: like, to be honest we were worried about it for a second i think that the producers were more worried about it and i felt like you know again ignorance is bliss right so yeah. i being a a sort of inexperienced director, I just don't like to look at problems as problems. I look at problems as, I mean, look at the sequel, right? I've never had more pressure on me in my career right. than to follow up something like that. Sure. And so the only thing I could do is just not see them as problems and just say that, well, that looks like people are anticipating the movie. So let me just go back to basics and write a good story. And okay. if the story evolves, then people will be more scared because you care about these characters. The sound will be more intense because you know the rules. Right. But if I started thinking like, how do I scare people more? Mm then I'd lose it. I would totally not do a good movie. So what I did was the same thing about the kids. When people were like, they're older, my response was they're older. And what are we going to do? Let's let's just not talk about it and see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll we'll think of something else. And so Millie came in and she looked weirdly almost the exact same. Mm -hmm. I mean, she obviously had grown up, but she really, you immediately buy her. There's something extremely, uh, a huge presence she has. And then Noah, yes, Noah had hit um, a growth spurt and was sort of starting to grow. But weirdly, to your point, I just said, if we don't acknowledge it, he looks exactly like he used to. Sure. But But if I had shown you, you know, if I had done the thing where I cut to the first movie even for a second, he looks like Baby Yoda. Like (laughs) He's a tiny, beautiful child. And uh, I would have ruined my whole experience. So it really is that thing that no one's brought it up because – You know, when you see him, you just buy it because he's that good an actor. But the
3: third child, the one who dies in the first movie, is that a different actor in day one? Because I noticed that you were almost shooting him from the side, Mm -hmm. not to let us know the face. Was that on purpose? It was
6: very on purpose, not only to hide the actor. It was more actually thematic, what I thought was. Mm. And it was really fun because my camera crew loved the idea, too, was I was weirdly paying him respect as a dead character. It's sort of like the whole Paul sitting cross-legged on Sgt. Pepper's that – what if you didn't show this kid's face because technically we've lost the memory of him, wow. so we actually don't remember what he looks oh like? Wow. Wait, really? Yeah, All right, so that was blew my it. freaking <laughs> mind, man! i so, wow. so that was the that was the whole idea, right? And it's funny because people will be like, "No, you did that because you didn't want to show that it wasn't the same actor." And I said, "No, actually, I it it's actually not." And the cool thing is, the idea I had, which was really fun for many reasons, uh, I got his little brother. So I got Dean's little <laughs> brother. I mean, uh, we use Dean who's uh who's uh the little brother of the kid who actually That's died on the bridge. And what's That's cool. cool about it is That's that means that the actor who was in the <laughs> first one the came definition. to our set. Yeah. We you just had the whole family there. Yeah. I knew the mom already. They were all excited. They they were they were so in, they were part of the family. And it was really fun to use them rather than a new casting situation mm-hmm. where you had to explain to them, you know, it's really hard to explain to parents like, so your kid's gonna die in front of you Ooh, on camera. You right, know, what right. I mean? right. And luckily, yeah. I
4: didn't have to explain that to anybody. That family thinking,
0: wow. had another baby, though, and they want him in part four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the way, yeah.
4: you've already discussed it. Yeah. He's got a contract. Yeah, exactly. Robin Williams uh, told a great story during uh, during an interview one time where he said I was talking about the week after winning an Oscar. And said for a, you know, for a week, he had the most respect he's ever gotten. People come up and say, "Mr. Williams, what? It's so good to see you. What an incredible performance at Good boy Hunting." And he said it took about a week before he ran into someone and said, "Hey, Mark." And he goes, "And you're instantly right back to this character yeah. that you've played." I've told you a thousand times I'm a massive fan of The Office. Uh, oh, I, I, know, I, I know. I'm on my 12th rewatch of it wow. now. Is there a certain degree of, of knowing that no matter how much success you find as a writer, as a director, as an actor, that there is a small faction of people that will inevitably see you as Jim Halpert? I hope so. Yeah.
6: I mean, I really feel that way. I mean, th- here's the truth I was a waiter when I got The Office. The Office is unequivocally the thing that gave me every single opportunity. I would not be sitting here with you, I would not be talking about a show. It has given me absolutely everything, and because of the success of that show, I was allowed to be brave enough to take shots at trying to write and direct and all these things because not only was I financially solvent enough to try that and and risk failure, but also because I had the confidence enough and basically went to film school. Like The Office, when you weren't shooting, you would go to the writer's room and see what writing was really all about, Mm -hmm. and you would see the best minds that we had. Going, telling uh, each other, every idea was perfect until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that was really enthusiastic and positive. And then you'd go to the editing bay and learn about editing. And it was the most fun I've ever had. So... I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be an inevitable truth, and one of the greatest honors of my life to be known as that character, from dude. That, that
4: warms. That seriously, you yeah. have no idea that how much that warms <laughs> well, my heart. Well, it's true. Man. It's, I it's all true, that. dude. That's, That's awesome. a great answer. That's
3: awesome. Now, I was telling, telling you earlier. I think you are a fantastic director. Thank you. Um, and I was thinking about this because we were we were geeking out last night about the shot from the first one when Beltrami's score comes in and you're running as like on beat with almost. yeah, a, yeah that yeah. was so cool. But you, uh, you're a young filmmaker. You've made. You said meant, uh, only a few films now at this point. Do you see yourself having a signature style in the sense of like you look at directors and you go, okay, Scorsese, that's the Scorsese type of shot. Mm -hmm. That's a Spielberg shot that, you know, do you see any recurring styles coming across in the way you shoot? Like
6: that's a Krasinski
3: shot. Like do you, have you, or is it too soon?
6: I don't know. I'm certainly too soon for me only because I don't look at movies that way. Mm -hmm. I look at movies as storytelling, right? So you look at a movie like Roma and you go, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. And my only question is, let's see the story, right? And yeah. so the reason why that movie is so successful is because it's so such a good story. And then the way it's shot is so beautiful. I don't think Cuaron has a style. I don't mm. think there's anything about Cuaron that I say like, oh, my God, that's, that's definitely yeah. him. You know, it's yeah. like you look at Roma and it's very different than Children of Men and all these things. And it, to me, I think he's a perfect example of someone who just tells stories. And when you tell those stories um, – how your brain sees them is going to be what's right for the story rather than like, all right, I've written this story. Now let me go into this weird bag of tricks and start putting in camera angles and stuff. It's like you, because maybe I'm an actor, I know that the set is a living organism. And so if I start doing that to my actors, I'm going to lose ground. I'm going to lose talent because they're going to feel pinned in. And so every day I arrive on set and try to make it like a play. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can put cameras on the play, let the play come to life and then be like stop now let me put cameras in on it you know yeah. so it's that thing of maybe one day when you look back at a, a, a body of work and you're like oh my god I see similarities here i will tell you 10 years from now the same that i'm telling you now which is that is completely coincidental mm-hmm. you know I, I by the way i think it's awesome that scorsese is a visual storyteller you yeah. know what i mean he he sees life in a certain way and we all go to his movies because of it i think Quentin sees his world in a way we just want to be in Quentin's world. And that's a whole different thing. Also, he does something different every single time too, but you go because of that comfort of seeing the things that you really want to see. And so, I don't know. I, I, I look forward to seeing what the answer to your question is. When I <laughs> yeah. said this to him earlier, I, yeah.
3: he, he, his answer was: uh, "You, uh, the shots of like characters running and the camera tracking along, like obviously in day one, or even like the shot I was mentioning when you're running with the beat in the first one."
0: In day but, one, as your character's going down the street, passing all the storefronts, like that's a Krasinski as shot. It kept going, I kept going. How long is he going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, I, got, I just got excited. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, 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 I like <laughs> spotting those. But I, and you also just named every patron saint of yeah. our. Okay, podcast. good. Yeah, awesome. yeah. was our all first uh, first guest, our first major no guest on our
3: show. Yeah. Uh, for Roma. Did That's you know that? actually pretty funny. <laughs> she, she knows she did. all. She knows yeah.
0: everything. Yes. Um, all right. We're going to try and squeeze in two right. more really yeah. fast. Um, well, I tweeted immediately after this I that I am dumbfounded that you already have what I call Spielberg-level chops. I
6: have already framed that tweet and put it on my wall. Thank so you, thank you very much. <laughs> you made me and my mom very happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a, um, a a moment in it uh, the with um, – A boat, I'll just say, uh, when a character discovers a boat that's arrived. And that gave me chills at that moment. But um, you run into an issue with this because we talk about Jaws, and the reason why Jaws works is because you don't see Bruce for the longest time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But now in your second one, you are free to show the monsters. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to hide them as long as... So what challenges does that present now that um, you can show the monsters? You don't have to educate people on the world. They show up and they are almost saying to you, like, all right, we know this already. What mm-hmm. else are you showing us? Mm-hmm. What's a-
6: it's a really good question. I mean, to me, there's there's a lot of challenges, right? And there's self-doubt and there's issues and fears. And like I said, you just have to fly right in the face of those and lean into it. So the technical challenge is we'd never seen them in the daytime. He, she, it, mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. we'd never seen them in the daytime. And so that was... That took a long time to figure out, you know, because when you're in a moody basement, it's like, that guy can look like anything, and the things that pop are the things that pop. But when you have to see every vertebrae on his spine and things like that, yeah. you really got to do a lot more work, which was really fun but really scary. Yeah, yeah. As far as storytelling goes, you know, the way I looked at it was I have a new actor in my movie. Oh, you know what wow. I mean, And, nice. and I That's had cool. to treat him That's with cool. the same respect that I treated the other characters with, meaning – yeah, well, th- he did, and it was very he's, – listen, he's the worst to work with. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I really looked at it like I got to treat him the same as I do with Killian, right? So Killian's new, and every single scene with Killian has to feel like if you're not learning something by spending time with Killian, then there's no reason for him to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. So if you're not learning something every time the creature's on camera, then he has no reason to be in the movie. Sure, he's a great scare and all that stuff, but, like – Any sequence where he gets a little uh, aggressive. Those are all new moments that are one of our characters if you go watch it again, which I hope you do. But when you see it again, the character has done something that we all know they shouldn't have done. And therefore, he has to come back and respond. And so it's this new dichotomy of one of the things I loved about day one, and it's very subtle, but you can see is you can see that they are not used to their environment. So in day one, there's a lot of things going on that... Seem like the creature shouldn't be doing that, but we paid very close attention to how on earth would he, she, it ever know... Right. What a cop car was. Yeah. And that a cop yeah. car didn't have a beating heart. How would right. they know that? Right. Until you slam and do it uh, headlong at top speed. Yeah, yeah. So that was really fun. And certainly the folks at ILM loved that. I mean, as soon as I was
4: like, so your guy's going to be a main character, they were like, wait, what? You <laughs> know <laughs> I mean? Like, it's, it was awesome. It was
0: yeah, really fun. That's very cool. Okay.
4: You know, I love this idea of, of setting up a rule, setting up sort of the idea and letting it ripple. And I saw an interview with, uh, with you for the first film, and someone had asked you about dogs. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, as I'm, I'm a big dog lover. Like, that's nice. Like, yeah, and you. Uh, thank you. Uh, the idea of like all dogs are dead like mm-hmm. and and that kind of broke my heart but you have to think about that yeah, how, how far out does uh does the ripple go like have you how far out have you thought about like well this animal's gone and this like like you have to kind of set up the whole all of it we thought of all of it uh-huh. um there's i
6: think three shots in the movie that you'll see birds um i've loved that idea that there's no possible way for the creatures to get to birds yeah. if the birds fly um the beauty of that is the weird poetic irony of that, that Mm -hmm. these creatures are so magnificent, still as poetic as ever and unfazed by Mm -hmm. that whole thing. I'm an evolution nerd. So the fact that birds are probably going to overpopulate the world at some time during our, this sort of quiet place, you know, world is great, but I also love the idea that again, not giving it away, but the, that, you know, I love learning all that stuff when I was a kid about dogs, knowing things first and they certainly do in this movie. And, um, and there's one specific moment that i was really really excited that i could get in and it's at baseball and there's just like this tiny thing and it's one of my favorite things that when Emily saw the movie for the first time and she saw the dog yeah. moment, she
4: went, yeah. <laughs> she like got a shiver. She's I, think like, oh, I said, like, oh shit. Because like, like, you just know because yep. the dogs are going to know everything before we do. Exactly. That's amazing.
3: What's well, also in movies, like it's harder to watch animals get hurt than it is humans. All right, so we're, I'm going to end on this because I, I want to, there's a shot in this movie which is in the trailer, it was, it was in the promos, the continuous shot that's following Emily in the mm-hmm. in the car oh, God, as that great. bus is yes. coming. Um, so I'm good. curious how you executed that. Is it one shot? Did you have stitches in there? Because there was a shot where you getting out of a car at one point that it looked... I was wondering if you stitched that shot of you getting
6: out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so d- for the Emily mm-hmm. shot, do you stitch that? How do you? How does that shot get done? How many takes is it? It's pretty wild. So that goes to that thing where I was saying I try to make every scene a play. <clears throat> the only stitch in the movie is the one you pointed out about the car. Really? Yeah, and the reason why is like that's, just, that's just safety. Literally, we couldn't have an actor pull up in a car... That would then fly through the air if it wasn't safely secured. Yeah. So I had to get into my car, safely secure the cop car, and then... and then... I like the stitch. It was actually, it was like the door yeah. opens. It was a cool, it was a clever way awesome. to stitch it. yeah and, But Emily's is so real, I think I put my marriage on the line when I put her <laughs> in the car. That's true. Like, when I was explaining to her on set all the things that were going to happen, and I said, you're going to hit this stuntman. That car is going to come three feet from you, and then this bus is actually going to clock at 40 miles an hour... Her face fell, and she went, but not really. And I went, no, no, the bus is coming at you at 40 miles an hour. it was a composite shot. Wow. Wow. No, that's a real bus, and that bus hits that car, and all that is totally real.
4: That's insane. And
6: I got to say that it really was a weird moment because as I was explaining it, you know, as I'm writing it, I'm a giddy (laughs) nerd, and then I'm about to shoot it, and my crew... You know, the one thing I will say about that moment is it's probably the most proud I've ever been to be a part of a crew because, you know, everybody always says when they accept an award, this is for my crew, and I don't doubt that that's all true. Mm. I've never seen a more deserving crew than my crew on this movie. There was zero no's. I mean, every time I came up with an idea and I said, we're going to shoot this shot, everything, to be honest, from the studio and producers was like, can't happen. And my crew was like, it can happen. There's this camera in Germany that it can dangle down, and it's an arm, and it'll allow you to get this thing. It's called Mocos. And I was like, great. Then we started rehearsing with stunts and stunts was like, we can do it. And I said, how do you get that? And they say for that day, we'll have this many stuntmen, this many stunt drivers. And so it was really moving to see at the end of that shot, the entire crew ran in the middle of the street, high five, got emotional. That's and was awesome. like hugging because wow. we pulled off something so nearly great. impossible. Yeah. That's all one shot. But Emily, God love her. She still got in the car, but that little boy's in the car. Oh, The Marcus is in the car. There's no switch. There's no nothing. And to go to those parents and say, I what? promise you wow. the Stunt, uh, the Paramount Safety, the Stunt guys, they have all okayed this. This is all possible here. All the, you know, we had that bus on a, you know, within a uh, hair's breadth of being able to stop. It had all these special brakes that it could stop real quick. All oh, those things. Like cool. so that one car
3: have... almost hits you at one exactly. point. yeah. yeah so yeah. it's
6: three weeks of rehearsal for one minute of shooting. Right. And I said to Emily, I said, do you want to run it once? And she's awesome. She said, no. She's like, just put me in it. And so that take that's in the movie is her first take. No, it's not. So that's her really saying Jesus Christ and oh my God and oh my God. And. Because she had no idea. It's like going on the best roller coaster ride of your life. Oh, that's that's amazing. the one take. Yeah, that was the first take oh that we did. Oh yeah. my god. You did it yeah. again, though? We did do it again. No, you didn't. didn't. The Why? entire crew was like, don't do it again. <laughs> and I was like, we did should you probably do it again. <laughs> <laughs> again. We should have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> it's only my wife. And they're like, don't say that out loud. You have to at
3: least put the uh, that second take online just <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you yeah, can see yeah, yeah. it. You know what I mean? She worked oh, yeah. with
6: Tom Cruise. Come on.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like nothing new. This is so much fun here. Thank you, John.
0: Really appreciate it. we want to thank paramount pictures for all of the support they've been giving to this show and for giving us uh john krasinski and giving us access to quiet place part two make sure you go see it in theaters it's coming out this week and we will have a review later on in the show
5: this episode of real blend is brought to you by marvel strike force Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place, by working more efficiently.
0: Alright, for getting into talking points, there were a ton of trailers that dropped uh, before we started recording this week's episode, going as far back as uh, Eternals, the latest Marvel movie that dropped. And that was a couple of days ago, but we haven't had a show since then, so we're going to start there. Uh, the latest superhero team to be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is interesting for a number of different reasons. Uh, you might not guess that based on the teaser, but it is by uh, director Chloe Zhao, Zhao, who uh, is coming off of Thank You Games. Uh, coming off of the Oscar win for Nomadland. And I bring that up because I thought that this trailer or teaser had the same sort of visual aesthetic as Nomadland did. When it's the trailer very...
2: first
3: started, I thought yeah. it was Nomadland. Just just the, the way it was uh, lensed, it looked yep. like it. Yeah. yeah. So
0: she has a very naturalistic approach. Uh, it's definitely by design. Uh, I don't think it's out of the the... I don't think it's going too far as to say that I think Chloe Zhao is an unusual choice to direct a superhero film based on her doing the Rider and Nomadland beforehand. She seems like those are the types of films, very grounded, very emotional, very human dramas. Um, And I think she's going to try to bring that element to this movie. Yes, Kev?
3: I find that interesting only because if you look at a lot of the MCU filmmakers, uh, like even the Russo brothers, what was their like? They did you, me, and Dupree, and then they yeah. did Winter Soldier. It's like it's and then Kenneth Branagh, who did Thor, right. he did Hamlet, and like you know, I, I've always found their director choices to be really interesting, yep. just because of what you said just now. It kind of triggered that. I'm like, oh, like what else? have they done. Yeah, Kugler. Well, Kugler's yeah, of, yeah. uh, uh, arc was interesting because he did Fruitvale, then he did Creed. So it kind of went up in budget. Honest, and I, Favreau. Yeah, honestly, even Favreau. Yeah, Favreau, yeah. Well, Zathura, I guess, was kind of yeah. a. That was
0: kind well, of. Well, Iron like, Man was such a gamble. You know, like nobody yeah. knew what Iron Man was going to be at that point. Um, yeah. But you know who would have been a great fit into that? And we're going to get to him in a second is Edgar Wright. If they had held on to Edgar Wright and developed yeah. Ant Man, like that would have been a pretty interesting way to go. So, yeah. um, i i'll I'll be honest with you this trailer didn't do much for me and i am kind of mixed on the idea of eternals anyway uh i'll say this up front of course it's a marvel movie so i'm i'm going you know i'm in and so they don't have to sell me um but what i will say is that after watching this i watched the shang chi trailer right after and it was infinitely better it like made the shang chi trailer better (laughs) and more entertaining Um, and I know that it's, it's a teaser and I know that it's supposed to be mysterious and it doesn't want to give a whole heck of a lot away. And it really is just like, here are the characters, but it didn't give me any story. And Jake, I know that that's a big problem that you had with it too.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, like, look, I, we've, we've been having a lot of discussions off camera on any, and I've sort of seen it amongst film Twitter folk, which I don't think I'm a part of, but like the, all like, what, what is a teaser? What is the point of a teaser? Sure. It's not supposed to give it all out there. It's not supposed to lay it all on the table. But it is supposed to, a, a te- no matter how long a teaser or a trailer is, you're supposed to be more excited on the back end of it than you were on the front end of it. It was supposed to, It's supposed to move the needle a little bit. And it didn't for me. I, I felt just as much, uh, you know, meh about it at the end as I did at the beginning. And, and I think, you know, and Gabe brought up a point, which I think is, is unfair to sort of say, well, oh, we're, we're going to see it anyway. Sure, but it's our job to see it. Like, I, I, I'm trying to look at it through the, the viewpoint of someone who maybe casually picks and chooses what they what they watch in the Marvel Universe and maybe hasn't seen all 22, 23 films. Uh, and, and there's to me, there was nothing in that trailer... That on a Friday night, when that trailer lands before they go see A Quiet Place Part 2, you know, and, and, and there's that brief moment of black where you can kind of hear the buzz in the audience and people are sort of, tall, oh, I gotta go see that, I gotta go see I, I, I it. I think you're going to hear a lot of either silence or like, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I just don't think there's, there's, to me, there's nothing in there that moves the needle. Gabe, I saw I saw hand motions. Well, well
5: no, you mentioned like we, I... Uh... I think people in general are going to go see it because it's a Marvel movie, not just because we're going to go see it because that's our job. But that is definitely true. I think that when they end that teaser on them talking about Cap and Iron Man no longer being there, I think the that general audience is going to go, "Oh, I have to see that because they're going to talk about." See that? I I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but I think that felt like,
4: "Hey, you love these guys. You love this world. Pay us money. Pay us, and we'll talk about them again."
5: Yes, but. I will take, do not show me too much of your movie. I've seen 24 of them. Just let me know what it's going to look like and some of the tone, if, if you can. Tie it into the big heroes for the general audience that's going to go, oh, great, it's, it's an important one that I have to see, and I will just go see the movie. Do that's, you know what I think interesting, is
4: interesting? And I'm curious. I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. And I think it's a testament to the fact that to Marvel, there's no one bigger than the name Marvel. Chloe Zhao did not get a from Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao title wow, card. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, which to is... me is an indicator that that to them, the filmmaker is not as important as the brand itself.
0: Did it even have uh, the cast? Did it have the actors' names, though? It it wasn't no. that
4: type of trailer. Well, it, it, did it not at the end? I would bet the full trailer has that. Probably. Yeah. the full trailer. It, it, fight, it, well, if anything... Y- Feige's
3: definitely proud of the fact that she won that Oscar right yeah. before this movie. Well, sure. and I, but but it's an interesting point that they didn't put that in there. But also you have to under like I guess one of the other things you had to think about is like, did how many Marvel fans saw Nomad Land? Which is another interesting element as well. But mm-hmm. I thought the trailers the trailer for this movie didn't do anything for me emotionally. I mean I thought visually it looked really cool, the colors and everything. I thought it was gorgeous to look at. Cinematography was amazing. The comedic bits were terrible. They were made me cringe actually that last scene this kid when when, when the character literally says their full name steve rogers I, I i just found that to be that was literally them reminding the audience like jake was just saying it it, it it's those that line was as bad as some of the exposition that i saw in falcon and the winter soldier i just can't and think you can Wanda be Vision. that i don't think you can be that harsh with like a 50 it's second way- it's trailer, way though. too on point and that, that no see when I, when I saw that trailer just now uh, cuz I I had to put it off watching it cuz I just I honestly just didn't have the desire to watch it but that particular moment no one would talk like that Like but no you, one would you, literally say I don't think that's fair I don't think that's fair I, to say don't, You don't have, the, that you don't have the context
5: You don't have the context of those characters Maybe that sounds a like a, Imagine Drax with Not knowing Drax's whole deal You'd go What the fuck is he doing? What is that? Why is he talking like that? Like that's an extreme example But my point being You have no context of the character The story That scene There's
3: not enough to Didn't work be that though it, Regardless it it, it's, still, work. it's still there It's still a trailer That that has yeah, a tag I, I think it has to work In, in the marketing piece That it It was fine for me though i
5: get why right but all three of us didn't like it that's fine but i'm I'm saying saying it worked enough for me and to i don't think it's fair to be that harsh on it when you don't have the context of it
4: i do think that 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 this particular teaser holds uh more responsibility than we think it does in the sense that like all of these movies now have to convince us to come back and to care again because for the most part we have lost a lot of the big characters yeah. who were already pretty well known but still had to be sold to to the mainstream audience would they still had to even though the average person long before the mcu kind of knew who thor was and knew who captain america was and knew who i you know maybe not iron man but you know though that they, they kind of had the main people and they're gone now so they like every trailer from shang chi to, to to uh eternals you have, to, they have they have to convince us that the future of Marvel, even though the main story that you've been following for 10 plus years is done, please come back because we have to, like th- these characters that you, you've never heard of in your entire life, they're cool too. So I do think there is more of a weight and a more of a responsibility to these trailers yes. than, than just saying, oh, it's Marvel, so you'll show up right and phase four just doesn't seem interesting to me at this point
3: i'm I, I i waited a week to watch that eternals trailer i had no desire to watch yeah. that trailer i had no desire to i mean i think as I, opposed I'm to there,
4: like god of thunder you would are no
3: love and thunder love and thunder, love thunder Thor. Th- you would have watched like that immediately i uh, but again i'm not i think phase four right now has nothing that i'm like super amped about except for Str- uh, doctor strange Two. that's the only Even cons- love and thunder right uh, but I didn't love Ragnarok. Ah, uh, so yeah. Okay. Uh, right. See, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on that's the, uh, Ragnarok's right. one of my least favorite MCU films. So it's
4: like, really? I, I, oh, I think Thor 1's better than Ragnarok. Wait, would you, like, 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 bottom quarter? Yeah, I don't Ragnarok? love Ragnarok. Ragnarok's like top five MCU for me.
3: Oh, I didn't, I don't, I'm the opposite. It's Tarantino's I, I see, I would, favorite MCU movie. That's fine. That, I, that doesn't mean Isn't I, a great I movie? love it. I don't love Ragnarok. I really don't. I've never liked
4: I, I And it's the
0: humor. The, you say the humor takes you out of it. The humor. See, in the that humor movie is. Yeah, so I, like
4: I think Tycho Waititi's going to double down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, he's going to oh, go. I, he's yeah. pushing all this shit so Did you not see what he
5: did with Hitler? If he can make Hitler that no. funny, <laughs> I think. He see, I, a, I he also, also Thor didn't Thor love Jojo
3: funny. Rabbit that much. Yeah, so
0: I don't like Jojo Rabbit.
3: I'm not really. I admire him as a filmmaker. I Ragnarok, to me, didn't work. I remember. I, I I mean to me like I would put Ant Man above Ragnarok. I'd put Doctor Strange above Ragnarok. I would put Four One above Ragnarok. I mean there are so many movies in the MCU I would put above Ragnarok. And the, I, the I just most yeah uh,
0: the most interesting thing I'm waiting to see about Phase Four is if and how all of the films are going to connect thematically. Like are they going to connect thematically, or is it really just as Jake was sort of saying? you know they're they're now introducing a whole wave of new characters to see who sticks and you know what franchises they can kind of develop um cuz you're getting a few proven sequels you know Spider-Man no uh no way home is coming and Black Panther 2 is going to be huge even if Chadwick's not in it um Thor will be big I think um and Guardians 3 will be big uh but then they are bringing out you know I think Blade is going to get introduced in there. Obviously, Eternals is new. Shang-Chi is new. So they're testing the waters with a few things, and I'll be kind of curious to see where it goes with that. I'm de- um,
3: listen, I'll, I'll definitely see it, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, in terms of Marvel, I mean, as much as I don't love Ragnarok, I think we can all agree, like my two favorite MCU films are Infinity War and Winter Soldier. No question, those are by far my favorite MCU films to date. So I don't know where... We all, uh, you know, where we all are on that point, but that's, those are my two favorites. So So these are two, these are
0: two movies combined. Yeah. Essentially. (laughs) Right. I I like those two movies combined.
3: I mean, don't get me wrong. We've seen bad trailers that turned out to be great movies and we've seen great trailers that turned out to be horrible films. Suicide Squad is a great example of that. So there's, I have, I I am, I am still holding out hope for Eternals, but that trailer didn't do anything for me.
0: Let's switch to a trailer that also didn't give very much away, but intrigued me with the way that it did it, which is Edgar Wright's Last oh. Night in Soho. Now, I know also, next to nothing about <clears throat> what that movie's going to be about. It looks like it's maybe a ghost story. There's a reference to Do You Believe in Ghosts? It looks a little bit like a stolen identity. It looks a little bit like... um. I don't know what it looks like. It looks like a little bit of time travel. The like girl sort of goes back to the seventies or sixties. 60s. 60s, when was that yeah. uh, Thunderball? Is yeah. that Thunderball that was shown on the marquee? Yeah. It looks fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, in a way that Marvel, you could just be like, and as, I found this to be really fascinating. You know, there's a section of Twitter, not to use social media as the guiding point, but like there's a section of Twitter that's very much like, "Oh, the new Marvel movie. And we're going to go no matter what. I think in a very much the same way, last night in soho is just oh the new edgar wright movie because you saw multiple filmmakers from james mangold to james gunn to john krasinski who are just like oh new edgar wright i'm in and so film twitter that corner of film twitter is going to come out to whatever edgar wright does and i think he deserves it you know i absolutely he's earned that status of i don't care what it is i'm going um but to me it looks completely different than anything that he's tried prior to this which and maybe is what he's... makes
3: me excited mm-hmm. yeah I, I love that he's that because if you think about his work nothing like his i mean he's done horror kind of with Shaun of the dead but really this is just a uh, i feel like he takes chances every single time and i, I and honestly and, kind of reminded you know?
4: me of the trailer he did for grindhouse remember was it was a don't don't yes. Yes. yeah mm-hmm. and i like it kind of made me think that like did that trailer make him tap into something that like he wanted to explore further like the last yeah. frame of the trailer where it freezes and it goes to the title card reminded me of uh, of what they did for "Don't," which is they like they would freeze on something and then the word "Don't." You know, if you want to go in that house, don't. don't. You want to get excited? I... You guys want to get excited? Sure. The DP
3: on Last Night in Soho is Chung Hoon Chung, who also shot Old Boy. Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh
3: so, nice. Oh. For Spike so, Lee. Like,
0: <laughs> Edgar, no, no, no.
3: Uh, Edgar, Wright's, Edgar Wright has used Bill Pope before. who's one of yes, the best cinematographers in the world. Often. Um, uh, who's incredible. But but the fact that the old boy DP from the 2003 film is the DP on this gets. I mean, there's a shot in the trailer that geeked me out, and I can't wait to see how they. He explains how he did it. Where they're, they're dancing, and he twirls. Oh the my character. god. And she turns into another yeah. character in in mm-hmm. the shot. Um, from what I understand, so basically it's it's a it's a young girl in the present who is able to somehow go back to the '60s, and she's seeing her idol, like a fashion idol, I believe. Okay. That's I think that's Anya Taylor Joy's character mm-hmm. the one in the '60s. So I'm not entirely sure what the drama is about it, but obviously there's a horror element to it. One thing that really intrigued me was Edgar Wright's talking about it and the idea that he's been he's been having this like thought in his mind for a long time. He's like inviting people, you know, now I'm going to bring you into my world for a little bit and let you fester with this, with this story. So, I mean, Stephen Price is doing the music for it who did the incredible score for gravity. Um, he's one of the best, uh, 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 composers out there right now. And I'm just excited. I, I the lineup on this obviously he shoots film 35. So it's going to look amazing. I mean, the visuals in that story, like, like it's funny, you look at Eternals and look at this. While I don't know that I got a ton of story out of this trailer, as you were saying, it was the it was the visual storytelling, and then Edgar Wright's name, obviously, and then I think we're all kind of. And Anya Taylor Joy is a big thing right now, so like just seeing her on screen after Queen's Gambit and SNL, uh, I'm all in. I mean, it looks phenomenal. I mean, the trailer is expertly cut, and you know he has his hand in that. Like he's yeah. all in in, oh, in yeah. terms of that, and you know, growing up when I was in college and finding his films for the first time, like going Shaun of the Dead. And I don't know if you guys ever watched Spaced, that TV show he Mm -hmm. did. um, And obviously Hot Fuzz. And he has a very interesting style that I feel like is different every time. Baby Driver is a much different film than Shaun of the Dead. And, you know, and so I'm very interested to see kind of how this plays out. But genuinely, the cinematography is what really grabbed me in that trailer. It is one of the most beautiful trailers I've ever seen. It looks, it
5: it looks incredibly different because the Something that's followed him through pretty much everything he's done is the quick insert, and he's done yes. the varying degrees and used it in different ways. This doesn't look like a quick insert Mm-mm. kind of cute movie at all. Has <laughs> like a very it, different. It looks style so to different. It. Yeah.
3: Because like, I mean, even like the th- simple things in Shaun of the Dead, like when he gets up in the morning, making his coffee, those quick flash mm-hmm. edits. Yeah. I wonder if he, I don't feel like he's going to, he didn't play with that um. a lot in Baby Driver either. Um, no, he, he Drive, does.
5: It's different, but he does it with like the shifting and the, the cutting. The action, like the, the, yeah. Right. yeah. No, it's but in so Baby Driver, it was like to the music.
4: The, remember it was, less of, but it was, was like, like less of a joke and more like it was like action editing. Yeah. Right.
3: Cause he was um, he was directing the action to the yeah. music beats, yeah. which was because I mean and I then, guess you're right, yeah.
5: And then Scott Pilgrim was that on steroids. All we'll say wake- Scott Pilgrim <laughs> is as right movie as you can get. Yeah.
0: Um, in the wake of this trailer, there was a lot of Baby Driver slander, and I, Kev, I know you say like the last twenty minutes goes off the rails, but like people are actively saying like Baby Driver's a bad movie, and that's no, ridiculous. it's not. No, it's, it's actually not a bad
3: movie. I, I I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Uh, the only thing I don't love about Baby Driver is just the John Hamm arc. Yeah. when he's in the evil car at the end and he's like in the parking garage. It's extreme. Other than that, everything else in that film. Terrific. Uh, I mean, I was rewatching that scene. It, just the simple walk scene that uh, Ansel Elgort does mm-hmm. when he goes into the store and then back out. Awesome. At, and the, and like that oneer, and like the fact that he's like, Tapping the windows to the beat, it was like that. That movie is astounding. Like the in lyrics terms of are like...
0: referenced in the visuals. Ugh. Like the entire, all the lyrics of that song are referenced in the yeah. visuals. It's unbelievable. I, I just,
3: if the John Hammark arc didn't go that extreme, I feel like I would have like I would have loved the film. I still love the film. I just think that it has it's not perfect. It has some issues, but
0: I have a weird confession. Um, I've not seen The World's End.
3: Oh wait, you've seen the first two but never watched World's End? I have not seen it. No. Um, oh, it's I, don't great. Know,
0: I don't know why I missed it when it came around to theaters. I have no clue. I think the one of the boys were just born. And so I, I didn't get to it and I bought it recently. And that's why I'm looking around the room because I know I own it somewhere and kept meaning to catch up with it because it's not available on streaming. Like that's one of the ones that's just not available anywhere. Um, Hot the- Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are both available and Baby Drivers on Hulu and stuff like that. But I can't find that one. So anyway, I own it and I've got to catch up with it.
3: That's my least favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. I mean, I was obsessed so much with that trilogy that I used when I would go travel abroad, I would get Cornetto ice cream cones because like that they, they sell them. I don't know abroad. I don't know. I don't know if they sell them here in the US. Wait, I don't know.
0: Didn't you guys? I know we have to go on, Gabe, but didn't you guys like email Edgar Wright while you were in, in the UK? We
4: we tweeted him, and he kept tweeting us back. We tried to we trying, like trying to get, to get go? him to like like come get beers with us, and he we told to us which end. bar to go. Yeah, he told us which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yes, did or, 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 or did we? I think we went to the world's end bar, but it's called something else or it's called no, the world's it's end. The,
3: I think that the bar is called world's end. I, they really? actually have a
4: bar <laughs> called and we, that. And we really tried to get him to meet us up. And he was like yeah. tweet, actively tweeting us back. And basically he was like, guys, yeah. I, can, I can't come out and drink with you. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the fact that he was even willing to like yeah. engage with us, you know, yeah. like we were, we were all giddy. It was great.
0: I like that you guys have so many stories that you forgot that story. Yeah.
4: And I had to remind you that yeah. you guys did that. Well, also, we story... got very drunk that night. <laughs> it's
0: true. It's true. <laughs> on Old Fashions? Come on, you guys. No, I think that it was just beer. a beer night.
4: Well, was I think it was, was a beer night. night. Yeah, it was a All beer right. night. Well, that's what I... the characters usually drink in yeah. his movies. You, you, don't, yeah. you don't go to a place like that and get an Old Fashioned.
0: It's going to be a beer night when I sit down in a the theater and watch Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Uh, this trailer is incredibly badass. And it really just kind of looks like Karen Gillan gets her own John Wick franchise, which is great. If that's yeah. the one liner that I'm sold. I ain't mad about it, it kind of looks like there's a, a universe that would include like the continental. Um, she meets her mom. Who's played by Lena Hetty, uh, of game of Thrones uh, infamy. And the it's the two of them having to protect a young child against a whole organization of uh, armed up criminals that include Carla Gugina uh, Gogino, Carla Gugino. Gugino.
5: Gugino, I think it's Gugino. Gugino? Two,
0: two harsh G's, I believe. Who else is in that? Angela Bassett? Is Angela Bassett one of the other people in it? Angela um, Bassett. No, I'm just it, kidding. <laughs> it looks amazing. Angela? <laughs> uh, it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. And it's one of those trailers that I'm not even quite sure who directed it, but it's edited beautifully. Like, it's just a firecracker. And so um, I'm more fired up for Gunpowder Milkshake than I am for the other two movies that we have talked about. And even... It, in, yeah I'm fine I up agree right. with you the yeah.
3: trailer for Gunpowder Milkshake looks better than the Eternals I'm sorry.
4: but better than Last Night in Soho no it, just, it no. looks like it's going to be a
0: lot of fun it looks like it's it going to be look pretty like it's incredible be fun. The only, yeah, is it, it, it just look a fun, Netflix it movie but... is, it, is it going to theaters I'm not quite sure I think it's just a Netflix I hate to just say just a Netflix movie but it feels like it's only going yeah. to be streaming
5: yeah get, look at this just a Netflix movie over my shoulder <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Best
0: picture, Loser. No um, you guys are all in on it, I'm assuming?
3: Also? Oh, 100%. A great trailer. I mean, it's... Again, the John Wick element is definitely there. I love Karen Gillan. Um, but this could be a situation where the trailer is phenomenal. I don't know if the movie... Is the movie going to be as good as the trailer? But the trailer is expertly cut. Like, it's yeah. a it's a perfectly cut trailer. They gave you the... R It was Red Band, basically it was, right? Because there was a lot of blood squirting everywhere. It looked like exactly. it. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Super violent. Carl DeGino...
3: Have- uh, I love her in Sin City. So good in Sin City.
0: I love her in everything. She's fantastic. Yeah. Did you find out? Love... game? Is it going to theaters?
5: I can't. I, I don't know if it's going to theaters yet. Son it of said. a. Bitch. But you know how Netflix does set. it? It's like three weeks before it comes out. They're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be in a week in event. But it doesn't seem like it. Who knows? You never know. They well, don't let... do
3: that for all their films. So I would right. imagine that it. I don't know. Because Snyder's movie got a week release probably because he's Snyder. Because he's Snyder. Yeah. Well, yeah. this I also comes
5: out July 14th. So. Hmm. I don't oh. think they're going to want to compete
0: theatrically. Maybe if
5: that's Probably a problem not. for them.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of things coming to streaming um, that week of July. Yeah. Uh, one of the is it Don't Breathe Two or Escape Room? Uh, Sony has a horror Escape movie Room up. Two. We will get there uh, soon enough. The other one that hit that I think looks like it could be kind of fun, even though it looks a little bit generic, like it's borrowing uh, a lot, have uh, like heavily from other existing films, is uh, Chris Pratt in the Tomorrow War, and uh, new trailer for that drops. Great premise. I really like the premise and I kind of like the execution of the way that they are setting it up. Uh, Soldiers from the future come back to our contemporary era time period and essentially say, hey, we are locked in a battle uh, with this alien threat and we need soldiers and they recruit people from our time period uh, and they time travel to the future. So it has an edge of tomorrow sort of element to it i guess a terminator kind of element to it um chris pratt looks like he's having a good time i kind of like you know sarcastic uh tongue-in-cheek chris pratt the action looks pretty great jk simmons shows up in it at some point with a trailer kind of told me yeah (laughs) with a beard uh the trailer told me everything i'm gonna get from it and it feels like it's gonna be uh, a a fun popcorn thriller so uh, you guys uh any higher or lower expectations based on what you saw
4: no i think i think you're right it's derivative there's probably a list of movies you can be like oh that's from this and that's from this and that's of this but like i also am not taking it so seriously and that like for a movie that to me kind of came out of nowhere and i wasn't super aware of it um i think we all just sort of got the junket invite a few days ago i'm 100 in can't wait to get the screener and watch it um my only i you know i yeah like i like smart ass chris pratt which we're, we're getting a little bit of but i really miss funny chris pratt like mm. like really like full-blown and i feel like he's taking the direction because it's probably in more movie star but like action star chris chris pratt but i miss andy dwyer man i miss yeah, because he, he's just so good in roles like that. and He's so unbelievable. And if you've ever seen just not even Parks and Rec, the bloopers of Parks and Rec, you realize how unbelievably funny he is and how how quick he can be. And I hope that he doesn't take action roles in spite of potentially a, a great comedy role that's out there for him, because I, I hope he, he realizes he can do both. Yeah. That's why Guardians was the
3: perfect vehicle yes, for him because cuz the Guardians character was hilarious yes. like but at the same time also an awesome action star right. like that's that to me is the perfect blend of Chris Pratt like that mm-hmm. that hilarious character but also but also like one thing about his Guardians character that was interesting is he was a vulnerable character at the same mm-hmm. time the, the the loss of his mother yeah. oh it was God, it, it's yeah. a it's a really that's a really great character that, that and that's so funny because you think about that really put him on the map for everybody I know he was quote unquote famous yeah. before that. But like that to me, yeah. if you can go back to more on that on that, this seems kind of like he's playing in that vibe. You know what I rewatched the other day that I i, I only saw once that isn't as bad as people say it is, is Passengers with um Jennifer Lawrence. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it's not a great movie. no yeah I, I
4: remember I but i it's I haven't... not
3: no, I that bad. It's not that it's actually a really interesting concept. I don't know if you guys remember the story behind it, but basically mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's floating through space. He, his he machine wakes her malfunctions. up. He wakes yeah. her
0: up. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy moral yeah. dilemma. It's, very controver- um, it's controversial for that reason. You very know, interesting would you, would you do it? Yeah.
3: yeah. So, I don't know. I, if, if anybody out there listening to that, if you're interested, I think that movie kind of, like, came and went. It was not reviewed well. It, it was not critically received well. I do think that from a production scale, and they're great in it. I thought Michael Sheen was great in it, too. I mean, it, it's actually not a bad film if you want to revisit I, I it. I
4: wish... That I remember, and and again, it's been. I think I don't think I saw it since it came out. I remember thinking that I wish the him waking her up thing was like a surprise reveal at the end. I wish the movie started from her perspective and she's waking up and trying to figure out what's going on, and she sees him and she's like, Wait, what that? Mm. Like, why are we awake? Mm. And then you discovered at the end of the film, Holy shit, he woke her up. Like, I feel like it would have been as opposed to trying to get us to sympathize with the fact that he. Well, I don't know. I, I look because I looked at it as more. I don't know what we're talking about. A movie like it's interesting. Old, no,
3: but, but, but we're talking about Chris Pratt. But, but yeah, but yeah. It, 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 I don't know. I revisited it, but yeah. it was interesting, interesting. So. interesting. Also,
0: know she has the Adam McKay movie coming out, but where the hell is Jennifer Lawrence? Like, she, just, she took a long break. I think she got married
3: and she's just chilling. I think yeah. she's. I, I don't know anything about her personal life, but Lauren follows all these. Um, like just Jared and all these like blogs, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she yeah, says yeah. like yeah. She, she sees photos of her just walking through New York, and I honestly think she. I mean, if you think about her career, all that leading up to everything, I mean, she did movie, 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 movie. Oh, yeah. She won what for two sure. Oscars? Yeah. She won two Oscars. No, and just I think won. she just. Oh, she won one. Yeah, and then she, but well, she was nominated for two or she's three, been no, right? she's
4: been nominated for Winter's Bone. She, she won, won for, for Silver Linings Playbook, and she, she, and then she got nominated for, for American Hustle.
3: Yeah, right. And so I feel like she just was like, you know what? I made a bunch of money on Hunger Games. But she's got
0: Hunger Games and X-Men money. She got X-Men money. Got some X-Men
3: money. Think about how much the Hunger Games money is. Oh, yeah. I mean, not like the first one. I remember reading an article because even same thing for like Chris Evans in Captain America 1. They don't get paid that much for that first movie. Yeah, yeah. It's that it's It's those renegotiations. Oh my God. Do you remember hearing the price? Didn't like, and I don't know if I'm accurate on this, that Pattinson Stewart made almost like 30 plus million on the last two. Wow. Twilight films someone looked that up i wouldn't be surprised it was an astounding staggering number that they made for breaking dawn part one and two it was pretty they probably amazing
5: they probably needed to pay him that much just to get him back
3: <laughs> they're like if you want me to make another one of these i'm gonna need 30 million dollars <laughs>
0: you know i think i swear i just read like recently the Downey for the first iron man got five hundred thousand dollars.
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I Evan's remember. Got Mickey like War. Or something. Yeah, yeah. But didn't he sign a big?
5: Didn't he sign a big back end deal? Wasn't that kind of he famously signed probably because he yeah. he was in on the ground floor. I think he's been getting paid for every Marvel movie yeah. since then. Like, he's a I mean, He got, 50, he got fifty
0: million for for Infinity War. I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> he got fifty million. That I,
3: man
4: so. earned every penny. hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I,
3: yeah. Yes. I, I know this is a talked about topic, but I was I, I don't know why the other day I was thinking about this. Infinity War is a perfect movie.
4: Yeah, it's amazing. Oh it's perfect
3: yes flawless
0: yeah. there's
4: perfect. no bad scene
3: not a bad scene not no. a single ounce of fat on that movie yeah no. it's incredible and oh. yet it's oh. the
4: poster that Sean covers up with his shoulder <laughs> I know it's there I'm thinking
0: of getting a new poster I'm thinking of changing out these two posters
4: I swear to God I would I would pay to have it framed if like one day we just popped up and one of the posters was me and one of them was Kevin and we're like <laughs> <laughs> And like, for all, because I know you do your Zoom junket interviews from this location yeah. as well, and you just don't address it at all.
0: I could never <laughs> yeah. decide who goes on top and on the, who goes on the bottom, though. That
4: well, was Kevin's My taller. favorite thing that you did, Sean, is
3: is when you interviewed Snyder with your two yeah. MCU
0: <laughs> posters
3: <laughs> on YouTube. That, that, was, that was my favorite thing ever. I'm like, oh my God, what a great... Message. <laughs> no, but all right. generally, I know you love the MCU, but we all yeah. love Snyder. It was just funny.
0: I have, a, I have a mother box over here. Maybe he saw that. Mother. Got a little mother box over there. Uh, speaking of money and the amount of money that people make, none of us will ever make as much money as Jeff Bezos, who um, just spent... No, that well, Well, not him, not him personally, uh, but his company, Amazon, has acquired MGM in a blockbuster deal uh, that basically happened the day that we were recording this.
4: Eight point four
0: five billion dollars. Uh, Amazon is paying to acquire MGM, which Think sounds like an shipping? awful lot of money. <laughs> sounds like an awful lot of money. But he's trying to say that there's a bunch of IP in the
4: uh, MGM archive. Yeah, but that Disney, is worth exploiting. Disney bought Marvel and Star Wars for less. You combine what Disney paid for Marvel and Star Wars. Was it four? Bi- four billion. It was like four billion oh, it's a piece. Oh, less. It was less than what they just bought. Okay, but that like, was a Rocky ago? and Bond for. Okay, but years ago? Star Wars. You're telling I me know. Star Wars? Compare. Okay, they like Amazon gets Rocky and Bond. You're, you're telling me that's that's worth twice as much as Star Wars. Uh, how many no. good
0: Star Wars movies have they gotten out of that deal, though?
4: I'm gonna punch one, you one in the a a face. <laughs> I'm gonna punch you right in your Wait, smug face. Do it best,
3: you, Gabe. Can you tell us what other films are in the IP?
5: Uh, so, okay. Yes. So there, he specifically mentions, this is from variety. He, he mentions in, I believe it was an investor call. Um, he cited MGM films and franchises, including James Bond, Thelma and Louise, Raging Bull, Robocop, Tomb Raider, as well as TV shows like the Handmaid's Tale and Vikings. And I think they have more TV and more TV properties than that, that are, that are pretty sizable. So we're probably overlooking a
3: a pretty big part of that deal that that's not just movies. And didn't they just spend four hundred and fifty million for the first season of Lord of the Rings, Yes. which Sean cannot yes. wait for?
4: And they like just <laughs> recast somebody in their reshoot? Yes.
3: No, they're not. Are they really? They yeah. recast somebody and they had to reshoot oh, that. That first uh, season cost. 450 I don't know how far he Fifty million.
4: Got yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, they, the to be fair. They also did that with the with um, Aragorn and uh, the in the original trilogy.
0: Well, you know what, what? series yeah. needs. Um... That kind of money is if they did a Dark Tower series with Stephen King's books. You know, I wish they were doing yes. that. instead yes. of, doing of the Rings—that's a seven-part series. Well, that I deserves... mean, like, yeah.
4: Well, HBO is looking for a new Game of Thrones instead of like doing like yes. do do the Dark Tower.
0: So um, Jeff Bezos says the acquisitions thesis here. This is how you guys can can uh, understand this is is really very simple according to him. MGM has a vast, deep catalog of much-loved intellectual property. With the talented people at MGM and Amazon Studios, we can reimagine and develop that IP for the 21st century. People who love stories are going to be the big beneficiaries. So, James Bond, I get. Tomb Raider even, co- okay, fine.
4: If you want okay, to but even, even Bond, franchise. though, think about Bond. Yeah, It was a big deal when... Skyfall crossed a billion dollars. Yes. Mm. Like Bond is not some guaranteed, fran- like as much as we all love Bond and Bond is legendary, it's iconic in the world of cinema, it's not like a guaranteed billion dollar hit every time out of the, like it was a massive deal when Skyfall crossed it, as opposed to however you want to, however much you want to knock it, like Star Wars or Marvel, is pretty much, it comes out, it's going to make a billion dollars.
5: But it's proved right. its longevity though, right? Like it's a franchise that's not going to fizzle. You can re, it's it proven that you can does recast does. it. Yeah. It, not even about doing well. It's, prove that like it has the public interest over the span of decades so that you can recast, you can reboot, sure. and you can you can target your budget for whatever it's going to yeah. make in the time you period could, that it's you in.
0: could invest in a bond video game that could you could tap into that market Absolutely. and earn back
4: a significant I, I would chunk give them money. all my monies if they would just bring back the N sixty four and give me goldeneye again. Yes. I you know, know you can still buy oh, all the money.
5: You can just, it's a couple hundred bucks. You can get a good working asking a lot. Nintendo 64 and the game.
3: I have a couple one hundred bucks right over there. That is <laughs> Yeah. Has real really? and I, yeah
0: there, I'll go grab go. it. Hold on. Um, in addition, but like some of those other franchises, Thelma and Louise, are we getting a Thelma and Louise? Is that a universe? franchise? Or is that a <laughs> the movie? Ra- <laughs> the Raging Bull <laughs> franchise? How many people are lining up to see that? um so i don't know that's i mean it sounds like an awful lot of money but all of these studios are going to need wow
3: that's
2: oh, really beautiful which one, do you, guys, which one, beautiful. Which one do you guys want that's n64 impressive.
0: yeah super nintendo pretty good too though i say i never had a super nintendo that's
2: pretty oh. great
3: super scope
0: um, remember super scope all of these studios need streaming services like the last one to drop essentially is sony sony doesn't have any form of streaming service and, you know, they just gave up a big chunk of their assets, oh, which is they sent the Spider-Man to movies to Disney+. Plus. Oh, they, right, 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 right. They do have a partnership that sends some stuff to Netflix. But they don't have their own, you know. They don't have, like, an HBO Max or Disney Plus or something like that that they can capitalize on all the royalties. But So, I don't know. It sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting to see where this goes and how Amazon... Now, Amazon is pretty good about letting some of their films... Do any of their films go to theaters? Now I'm actually thinking twice about that.
3: Well, if you think about the, the, the biggest ones recently, uh, Sound of Metal, I don't think, went to theaters and Borat. Borat uh, too did not. Borat and Sound of Metal came uh, out
5: during the pandemic though, so it's not not a great example.
3: What about without remorse?
5: But like oh, also yeah. in the middle of a pandemic.
3: Like I, I, No no, no that was, just
0: came out. That just came also
3: out like it just was a bad. couple weeks
0: ago. Yeah,
5: yeah so but now. a lot of people aren't releasing that's like it. We're, this week is like the first week of a long run. Like I don't think that's a great
0: And I could see them changing their minds if they have a big Like so okay, let me ask this and then we'll move on to the next topic. Do you guys think that this means no time to die is gonna to go to streaming?
5: No, they they like, confirmed no. today. They did? They, they confirmed oh. today that it's gonna have a worldwide theatrical release. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I feel That's like is it the day, world is it day would and riot.
4: date?
5: I don't I, I I can check the language, but I believe they were like explicit of like this is gonna be what
4: you expected. Okay. Yeah.
5: All also right. like, like
4: Craig's last Bond like you know he, a, after everything that movie's been through well it's yeah. got to make theater money I think is also well, is, the big one. is yeah.
3: Tomorrow
0: War going to theaters I don't
4: Probably think, it, think is. it is
0: No.
3: and I that's, a, that's
4: so. a
0: July release and that looks like it could be a theater movie or should be a theater yeah. movie
5: but that might but. be something that they're spinning up like I don't think that Amazon Prime's ever been a theatrical no.
0: well, release more, thing yeah. but
5: that might be what buying this is a part of is wanting to have theatrical and streaming
0: <laughs> okay Let's move on to uh, our Oscar punishment. So this is, uh, this is wholly unfair um, in this sense. So for people who haven't listened to the show in a while, first off, what the hell's wrong with you? Secondly, uh, Jake won the Oscar bet this year. Again. Again. Again, yes, for a second consecutive year. And last year, uh, he got to choose what horrible movie Kevin and I were going to watch, and he gave us The Human Centipede Part 3, which truly was an atrocious, uh, offensive diabolical film on every level so jake in his um forever sinister uh personality split up what we're going to watch this year and gave us each individual tasks now here's where i say that it isn't fair kevin is thoroughly enjoying his punishment (laughs) he had to watch um a lot of lost and how many episodes were you required to watch required to watch
3: seven i think i've watched at least seventeen
4: yeah. Okay. So Since the hope, punishment, you're like halfway through Kevin. season two. Yeah. That was that was the. I was hoping that it would happen that the same would happen for you. Yeah. I'm for all me. In on lost yeah. Now. That was the point. I was hoping that if I made you guys sit down and watch this incredible thing, that you would take it and run with it. Well, and Sean it, be, technically
5: didn't sit down and watch through his. Yeah. yeah I, next time oh, I, I win, I'm going to
4: specify it. how it needs to be consumed. Why? Kevin didn't sit and watch 17
0: episodes in a row.
4: I don't, but I watched. I watched.
3: I, I sat down and watched an episode at a time, and, yeah. and and at like. But I actually feel like you did not fulfill your punishment. Oh, that's so garbage. garbage. I no, almost no, it, feel like
4: you need to watch Two
0: Towers now. I don't think you. <laughs> I'd watched let me tell it you what's properly. not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start on a high, Kevin, and tell us what uh, happened when you watched the episodes of Lost that you were required by punishment to to consume.
3: Well, I already owed Jake. The Lost Watch. So I I, I I um did not follow through with the initial uh, uh th- discussion we had, which was Better Call Saul for for Lost. And again, I didn't realize how many episodes Lost was. So that's my <laughs> fault. Um, but uh, I'm glad I did the punishment because I watched the first I think 17 or 18 episodes of Lost uh, before stopping. And not I didn't stop because I didn't love the show. I just I just kind of fell out of routine um and then so the seven punishment episodes were what got me back into it and i I even said this on the show like when jake delivered the punishment i was like you're trying to get me to continue watching it past the seven um which is exactly what happened and I, i i'm you know i'm all in now and i can't wait to uh see what i'm gonna watch two episodes tonight i'm trying to watch two a day um but I'm, I'm, I'm just now, for people who've seen Lost, I'm just now into the story about the other side of the island, mm. Michelle Rodriguez's character, and, and the people on the back of the plane um, are now meeting with the characters we've been spending the entire show with so far. Um, and we just went through Michelle Rodriguez's backstory. So I'm really all kind of uh, into oh. that now, and Sawyer, it's a whole thing, so.
4: Wait, have you not met... Desmond, oh, hold on. Wait, it's no. Okay, I, I, well, okay. I have a question because because I don't think this won't spoil anything if you haven't met it's this fine. person. Have matter. you met Henry Gale? I don't believe so. Okay, you would know if you met him. No, no Henry no, Henry no. Gale is season two. There's a lot of characters. There's a possibility I've met Henry Gale. I mean, I'll tell you. No, you, you would I'll, you would know if you've met Henry Gale.
3: I'll tell you people that have just popped up that have become prominent. Uh, Goodwin, which was a character mm-hmm. that um, gets impaled by the. Uh, Stake by Michelle Rodriguez's mm. character. We, he okay. was like, he was not on the plane. and He mm. was actually like ran out and, uh, uh, and and pretended to be one of the people on the plane. Um, I met uh, Desmond. Okay. Desmond's gone now. He's mm-hmm. kind of rushed off. Uh, See and you I in just another saw Life that, Brother. To me, the 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 most shocking thing I just saw was the Shannon death. Oh. Uh, spoiler alert! People out yeah. there who haven't seen Lost. But, <laughs> for I, haven't I mean, seen it's been lost. out. Oh, that look years. when
4: Sayid is holding her and it's like raining oh, and he like looks up and how does she
3: dude, die? I forget. So. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, so we're starting to understand that we're hearing voices of the others or them. Um, and OK, so you moment... do know the
0: concept of the others. That's what I was going to ask.
3: Yes. So basically okay. from one... now, all I know about them right now is that they were on the island prior to the crash. Yes. OK. So Great. I don't know if they're tied to Russo, um, the French lady. Oh, yeah. Know.
0: Right, right, right.
3: So I'm kind of in 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 that realm, but I'm also dealing with the idea of because Sawyer and Michael went on a raft to try to get out, yes. and then they got they came back. Right. So now Walt, Michael's son, it keeps showing up in like the creepiest way possible, where he's drowning in midair, like he's like oh. dr- I mean, it's so freaky. Um, score's <laughs> amazing, score score's great. Uh, it's gorgeous to look at on screen. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all in, man. I mean, I I, I can't wait to see what kind of happens. Like, I, I was all in on the Sawyer the Sawyer Jack Kate drama and kind of like who loves who, and uh, I was really excited to see kind of Kate and Jack kiss for the first time, which was a kind of a cool moment um, because Sawyer
4: Lau loves her, and I'm, I'm I'm all in.
3: So yeah, oh, I cannot no wait better... for
4: you to be to meet Henry Gale. He's I, no, I'm
3: trying I'm trying to think of where. So I'm on episode nine or ten of season two. Henry Gale. Like, like to give perspective of what I just saw. Basically, uh, you know the character Rose, mm-hmm. her husband yeah. Bernard, who was on the back of the plane. Uh, wait, was he in the bathroom? Is that why he was in the back of the yeah, plane? Yeah, I believe
4: so. Oh yeah, because okay. I think there's a scene where she says something about like, oh my, my husband's in the bathroom or something like that. Right.
3: So, and the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, and then we'll uh, get to Sean. Um, mm. So when we recorded our episode. When we did the interview with Michael Giacchino, do you guys remember, we obviously remember we did the interview yep. with Michael Giacchino, he was showing us all the props from his office. <gasps> mm-hmm. So now I understand what that prop was that he pulled out, the Virgin Mary. The I Virgin didn't know Mary what statue. that was yeah. when he showed it to us, and now I'm like, oh, that's where they keep the heroin. Kevin. The,
4: yeah. So you, so you saw the episode What Kate Did. What Kate Did was, one of, was either the last episode or the last? Yes. Did that. you see, okay, so I believe the next episode you're about to watch is one of my favorites, it's called the 23rd Psalm. I have and not seen that one, and when that's K- when, what Kate did. Is the last episode yeah. I saw. So, you are about just, to meet yeah. a character named Mr. Echo. Oh, I've already met Mr. Echo. Oh, but you were about to meet Mr. Echo. Oh,
3: I like Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo is cool, and he was the guy he played the Gator in um, Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, right?
0: Oh, maybe. maybe. Am I wrong
3: uh, on that?
0: Uh, Ad- oh, yeah, that's yes. that is him. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah
3: yeah, he's great in the show. So right now, I I kind of know his name is Mister Echo. Don't know anything about him yet. Okay. but but he did just bring Sawyer to Jack, uh, and they're in the bunker and everything, or the hatch, whatever. All so. Right.
0: so we'll keep checking in on Kevin as he gets through uh, lost. Uh, yeah, I'll update you guys his... throughout
3: yeah. the throughout the weeks. I, like it. Yeah. I do too
0: so um, for my punishment Jake made me watch The Fellowship of the, of the Ring uh, the, Lord of the Rings The, Fellowship the Extended of the Ring. Cut The Extended Cut which is 3 hours and 45 minutes seven minutes sounds amazing it solidified for me <laughs> how much I hate these movies insane I just hate them I hate them I hate them on every level wow I think the I think the performances are crap crap <laughs> i think that about. honestly i think the pacing of them um and the way that the way that the the dialogue is delivered um i fucking hate sean aspen i hate him i hate Samwise. and i hate there was a moment in this movie when um gandalf was fighting against christopher lee um whose name i escaped saruman from. And the two of them are like flopping figure. around and throwing stick their sticks at each other. Yeah, they're
3: in the tower, and right? It's Wait, cut but...
0: together. Yeah, it's cut together yeah. so horribly bad. Like I, I just, th- I just think, I, I think Peter Jackson is really in love with the material, and I think that his passion for it clouds his ability to turn it into an interesting story. Um, it lingers too long on on shots. Um, with this reverence that i don't think the film earns at all um and i just again i've discussed at length that this style of storytelling is not my not my bag um f- fantasy in general and you know large armies like the opening 20 minutes is is the history of the ring and it's you know just a large army colliding what you think against of the each battle other in wakanda in infinity war I could see what was happening. I understood. There were stakes. There were people. I knew the characters, and I cared who they were. They weren't faceless orcs. Or whatever the fuck orc. these things are. So, oh um, so I thank you, Jake. I thank you for for allowing me to definitively state that I will never watch the Lord of the Rings movies again.
4: Oh, because you, you, just, so, you just solidified yeah. what your punishment is next because year. Because I did...
0: I did um, really in the back of my mind think maybe i just maybe i was wrong you know like you guys I think love that about them. everything you say you guys <laughs> love them and a lot of people who listen to the show chime in and they say like how on earth could you i hate i hate these movies i hate them and uh yeah i just think it's terrible so wow. i endured it and i will never <laughs> ever I, I won't even do the bet next year you know you tur- fear that you'll make me watch it again.
3: You've turned into Randall from Clerks yeah with jeff anderson do you remember the scene <laughs> in clerks 2 when he yeah. when he's when he has the lord of the Rings star wars fight and he he literally tells the entire 12 hour trilogy in 30 seconds and then just, he just walks and drops the ring yeah <laughs> it's so it's such a great bit i feel like you and uh, randall from clerks 2 would be best friends now because i don't think he likes that Dude, trilogy either
0: i would watch rise of skywalker a dozen times <laughs> Before I sat through any Lord of the Rings movies again, that's tough. So Ins-
3: I'm blown away. I'm so blown away by your take on this. It's yep. the hottest take I've ever heard in my life.
4: Okay, Kevin. Kevin, can we make a take. deal? Since you guys try to make like a little, little, little barter deal about like punishing me in case you guys, yeah, yeah. Kevin, if you and I win next year, can we make Sean watch Two Towers? oh you watch all three of them back to back <laughs> uh,
0: be, and i'll say this because i divided it up into multiple evenings there was one point on like the third or fourth evening when michelle came into the living room and she said jesus more <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> i'm only halfway through this thing you you made it
3: worse for yourself by doing that like watching yeah. it in, yeah. in in
6: sections i yeah. agree with that so. all
0: right this week in movies uh quiet place part two um this is hard to review because I honestly don't remember it. And we did not the three Thank of us you. didn't get a chance to
3: Yeah. Oh I was I, I, I was I was like waiting for this moment in the show because I'm like, it's been a year and three months since I've seen this film. I'm seeing it again tomorrow before I officially review it on the air Friday. So I was I was actually getting nervous for this part of the show. I'm like are they gonna remember this movie so well that they can review it? I don't remember it no, that No, just well, give so. give your
5: general thoughts and a score yeah, okay. if you remember what you thought you were. In a way with I'm catch a- up
3: next week.
0: I'm very excited to see it again because Me too. I, I do know that I liked it a lot. Um, and so, but I feel like I'm going to go into it and it's going to be a fresh movie.
3: <laughs> I agree movie. with you. I feel like I'm yeah. going to see a new movie tomorrow night. I don't I yeah. don't remember a ton. I mean, I remember like, I remember bits and pieces. I remember Killian Murphy being a bigger character, a big character in the, sh- in the movie. Yep. I, I remember liking it. But I don't remember like being blown away by it, but it's also been a year and three months since I've seen it. So I don't—I couldn't accurately tell you my review right now. I don't remember it well enough. So I don't know if well, it's a good thing I, or a bad thing. But I
0: can at least say to you that I highly recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. If you like the first movie, I think it's a natural extension of where they're going with it. Yeah. Um, I really loved the opening sequence, which is a, a flashback. You've seen it in the trailer. Best uh, scene in uh, the movie, I think. It's John Krasinski in the town. It's the family in the town. Um, we won't give away any plot details. Uh, the, I know the, the sequel, I do know that Millicent Simmons uh, plays a much bigger role uh, mm-hmm. and and does an excellent job of carrying the story. Uh, it's very much the story of the daughter and how she's sort of continuing on through this world. Not that Emily Blunt doesn't have a lot to do. I like the way that it introduced the new characters. Um, mm-hmm. Jaiman Hansu uh, shows up uh, at some point and is a significant part of the story. And I think it just shows, you know, I was impressed by Krasinski in the first movie. I thought he did a really strong job at directing. And um, I I thought he matched, you know, if not even a little bit, exceeded the stuff that he accomplished in the first movie. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend this and I cannot wait to go see it again because to me, like Kevin said, it's going to feel like going to go see a new movie. Jake, what do you remember
4: about it? Yeah, I remember really liking it quite a bit, but very much feeling like it was a middle chapter in a bigger story. Yes. Um, you know, the, the first film, we didn't really know what it was going to be at the time. I think all of us saw it in advance, so we didn't realize how big of a hit it was going to be. And even though it left off on a cliffhanger, it still kind of felt like one sort of contained story with, mm-hmm. ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next. With this film, aside from that opening scene, it basically picks up right it's where the first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I very much like this movie, But now I feel like I kind of want to reserve judgment to see what the bigger picture is. Like, in a weird way, like what part three is going to be, which I think Emily Blunt recently confirmed that it's going to be a trilogy. Um, I think part three is going to make me feel one way or the other um, about part two, because this now feels like we're getting a bigger story. And at this point, we're we're only two thirds of the way through.
0: Are you worried they're going to rise a Skywalker it, and just like flush the whole Abraham. thing down the no?
4: Side of it? I, I have hope that they're going to return <laughs> of the king it. At- um, oh, do you yeah. think
0: Krasinski directs the third one, or do you think he yeah, I think he does. I,
4: I I I would be shocked. I mean, this is his baby. I yeah. would be shocked if he if you if he took it to the one yard line and, and let someone else bring it into the end zone.
3: There's Gabe. no way he wouldn't finish it. There's no Gabe, if, Gabe if, if he reaction. didn't do two, I would say he wouldn't do three. Well, sure, he, no exactly. he didn't want yeah.
4: to do two until
5: he wrote it. He did. He was like, I don't want to do number two, and he's the producer was like, Can you just Write it. He like I had this idea. Like He's like, a,
0: John. Come well, no, on, I think he said
5: what they were
3: doing. I think he said it in our interview.
5: Actually, he says he once he wrote it, he was like, "Oh, I have to make this." So I could mm-hmm. see him being like, when he left one, he was like, "I want to go do this other stuff." I could see him going, "Let someone else finish this." I have an outline for a story. I could totally see that,
4: but you, the, but you think that he would let? I mean, like he, he wanted it, it, to let someone else do too. Yeah, sure. That, okay, but that's different. Now yeah. he's now this like close to more, the end. Yeah. Now, now like, you really but think if he would, writes it? Does he care? Like, yeah, he's got I think two so. films I for this. I, I think yeah. because 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 someone a a good script can turn into a bad movie. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, just wouldn't be surprised. Be, there was a better chance of him not directing two than not. Agreed. A hundred percent. A hundred
3: percent. And I also think that like. And Sean mentions the opening scene. This is in the trailer uh, where you, where you see Emily Blunt in that car um, or the truck, uh, which is obviously an incredible scene that Krasinski talks about in our interview, the, uh, which was a wonder and it was very dangerous um, to me. That was the most interesting part of the film because it was prior to the moment. So like mm-hmm. what I loved about that, and this is in the trailer as well, you're, you're getting a sense of the day and in, in the life of what these characters were prior to the event that, takes place that makes the film what it is. So I kind of wanted to live more in that world a little bit. Um, Mm. But we'll, we'll, again, I, it's so funny because I'm reviewing it Friday morning. I'm like, and I told my producers, I can't review this until I see it again. I just don't remember it well enough. And so, um, but I remember feeling like Jake does where it felt more like a bridge um, but, we'll, you know, we'll get into it. There's no way you're not going to like this film. It's definitely entertaining, and the sound design yeah. is amazing, and it's shot mm-hmm. impeccably. It's, you know, it's 35 millimeter. It looks beautiful, um, and it's it's dark, it's gritty, it's intense. Uh, there's, I, I feel like this is a movie that no one's going to dislike. It's just a question of, is it better than the first one? I would say not, but I don't remember it well enough to even give my hope- official...
0: I hope it's the movie that, that brings more people back to the theaters, because it is a movie that requires, I think, yeah. it'll play much better in a theater. Yeah. Um. No matter how good your sound system is at home, the way that he yeah. plays with the sound design deserves to be seen in a theater. And just uh-huh. the ability to lose yourself in that darkness, you know, and, and play along yeah. with the quietness of it. I want people yeah. to be able to go and experience it's it. It's even it less about... it change the
5: way we... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Gabe. Uh, and I'm basing this off the f- the first one, because I haven't seen the second one, but living in the world of the first one it's less about the giant speakers it's more about the fact that you're in an isolated soundproofed room mm-hmm. than your living room yeah. where you're gonna like the dishwasher's going or you're gonna hear the yep. refrigerator kick on right. in the other room like
0: think about there's a moment in the first movie where the kid the little boy has the truck right and the yes. truck makes the sound for the first time like you can't replicate that at home right no. like you get that because you're immersed in the experience of your, yes. in that movie. And that's what Krasinski does. He's able to set up these moments where you're so in the, oh, there's an, uh, there is a scene that I remember from this movie and I won't talk about it, but like, I know it's going to play really well. Um, I'll tell you guys about it afterwards. Okay. Um, also,
3: the first film changed the way I also feel like the first film made people aware of their movie going habits. Yes. Um, I really or, found or that made to be me aware
4: a, that people are blissfully unaware of their movie going habits.
3: Well, I think that's what it was. It, it, it also made me under like, I, I, you know, I think it's people said this a lot, but it also, it, people wouldn't chew at certain scenes, yeah. people wouldn't yeah. grab in their popcorn at certain scenes. It also, it kind of made you more aware of, of who you are as an audience yeah. member. Um, when you're experiencing yeah. the film. So- to
4: every person who I, who I saw the movie with, because I, I went back and saw it after the, the first one, um, yes, that's Jim from The Office. You don't have to tell every person sitting next to you that that's Jim. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times it'd be like a super quiet scene and all of a sudden I'd hear, that's Jim from The Office. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I, I know. I got <laughs> it. To, to your point,
3: though, about Quiet Place, I think it'll do well this weekend. I think I hope the, so. I think the film that's going to really be the big box office is going to be fast nine i think okay. that's just going to be, just from a yeah. worldwide perspective it's just a in big, general i mean, it's like, just yeah bigger franchise for it's me. a bigger film but it's also so, like sure. it's like that is like that is the kind of movie we're all looking i mean i, I know we're all but we're that we're all kind of like looking forward to like that mind numbing mm-hmm. insane I, action
5: you you couch that because of me i am excited <laughs> to go see that in a theater just because of that aspect of being in a theater yeah. seeing a uh you know, cheesy. I think the dialogue's Huge. bad. Action movie. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to just watch a bad movie in a theater.
0: <laughs> do you? Do you
3: guys,
0: see? see do you
5: see
3: how he hit me with that jab? Right? He's being nice. He was like, "Yeah, no." But um, he's like a Sour Patch um, kid. Yeah. but I, I I do wonder. Do you think for Quiet Place, for example, and this is just I'm speaking Devil's Advocate hypothetical here, are people because of the way the world was for the for the past year? Do you think anybody's apprehensive about going into a film like that in the sense of just like the, the world being what it is in the film, you know, no one really seeing each other. And I'm, I'm, and again, this is just me thinking from psychological perspective. Like, do you think people are like really gunning to go watch that film in theaters?
5: I I think if it it were the
4: first, if it were the first one, I I think people might be a little bit more apprehensive, but I think this world has already been established. People have already like bought into it. Like they accept the premise um, yeah. so I think that kind of saves them is that that like th- this mm. this was a thing long before the pandemic happened. Therefore yeah. it's it's pre-accepted in a way. Mm.
3: But like All yeah, right. I wonder what it's going to do this weekend. Actually before we go to Cruella, I would love to uh, let's give box office predictions cuz I, I know we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. I think Cruella
4: is going to open bigger, but I, I I hope Quiet Place does at least 20.
3: Oh, I think Quiet
4: Place is bigger than Cruella because Oh, Cruella I hope so. The, I hope you're right. I really hope it right. has the Disney Plus premiere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I, I, I I've think, talked to more people who are going to see Cruella this weekend.
3: All right. Let's see what Quiet Place did opening weekend. Let me just check real quick. I know we have to move on. Quiet Place. I know I we got to move. Right, Quiet Place 1 opening weekend was 50 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, doing that. All right. What does it do this weekend? Real fast. I would love to just know where I you was gonna, say, I
4: was going to say 20. 40. Twen- you think so? 40. Oh, man, I hope, I hope you're right. I really do. Grow, I really hope you're tw- right. 27 I'm, okay. I'm i'm going low and i'm going 20. and do
0: you do you think it beats cruella
4: no i yes. think it does
3: i think it does too i have this written
0: down so remind, remind. i think, I think, I, think I think cruella does like 30. let's get to cruella I um, and i think a lot of people are going to i think families who might go to cruella are gonna watch it at home they're gonna get the disney premiere i think they're gonna watch it at home um cruella That's is the X
3: factor it's a premiere plus mm-hmm. A release. So you have to spend, was it $30 30 to watch it at home or go to the theater?
0: Yeah. And I think that it will play just as well at home as it will in a theater. Um, I watched it. I watched it in a theater. uh, And it's Corella's interesting to me because the production design is fantastic. Um, The costumes are wonderful. Uh, The performances to me are outstanding. I think both of the Emmas uh, are phenomenal. I think the story can be a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, it's good. It's too long. And it's long in like weird places. Um, it's like, it, it's it's setting up a lot of story. Like People are describing it as Devil Wears Prada. It has an element of Devil Wears Prada to it, for sure. But there's also a huge backstory about Cruella and her family, like where she comes from. And it has to set up how it connects to the 101 Dalmatians loosely. Um, there's a lot that it's trying to accomplish. Almost too much, I think, sometimes. But I always found it entertaining because I thought the two Emmas were that good. Um, but when I step back from it, I'm probably only at like a three and a half out of five. Um, okay, you guys are at the same place. I thought maybe you guys liked it more.
3: Well, I, I liked it more. I probably could give it a four. But okay. I'm not too far off from you. I I, I do think there were too many soundtrack... Moments. Um, It just way too many needle drop moments. Um, but at the same time, some of the songs I loved and some of them I thought were a little too on the nose. Like like there's like there I guess we can talk about this now because Army of the Dead's been out now, but like when he used zombie at the end of Army of the Dead. I love that. I didn't love that. And I love Zack Snyder. I I love his soundtrack, but I don't I didn't love that. Kevin, I feel
4: like you don't get it. There were zombies in the movie.
3: (laughs) Oh, I know, I know. But I mean Yeah (laughs) But but in Cruella I think Cruella, and I explained this last week. I think Cruella, I liked the movie a lot because I didn't know what to expect, right? Because it was it's a super dark film. She's phenomenal in it. She plays two characters. Um, so good. She's great in the film, and Emma Thompson is phenomenal, and so are so is everybody else. Um, Story wise, I, I didn't dislike it. Uh, in terms of what you were saying, I, I found it I found it to be interesting. I liked the Joker esque aspect of it, the sympathy aspect of it. But like when you play sympathy for the devil. And a little on the nose for you me get it. because because <laughs> Deville
4: looks like devil, yeah.
3: But, you get uh, it? But, but like, I saw I saw a tweet or I saw like an article or something recently about how, how many needle drops there are in the film, and it is excessive. Like, to, there's a point yes. where I'm like, oh, wait, another song? Like, and someone pointed this out, I, I don't, I don't want to steal this without giving credit, I just don't remember who said it, but it was something along the lines of, like, you shouldn't use your soundtrack to tell your story you use your use your visuals and use your characters and your performances which i believe is a really interesting thing to say because like at times they rely way too much on the song i yeah. think um but then again i like the film a lot i give it a four out of five and i think a lot of it had to do with i didn't know what to expect i thought she was fantastic um you know what is this like her first major starring role individually since Easy A I know she was in La La Land but I'm, I'm talking about like like she was the lead of the film La La Land was was her and Gosling but like Easy A she was the lead she
0: does do a lot of ensembles yeah. right
3: and this this is her movie really so yeah. um and I I and, I and for some reason I found the, the fashion war was awesome. Like, there were some really cool scenes like, of her, like, battling Emma Thompson's character, which I'm not a fashion person, but I found it to
4: be incredibly well done and executed. Is the, is the, uh, the, is the costume Oscars sewn up? No pun, no pun intended. No, no, genuinely. Swear to God, no pun intended.
3: I swear to God. <laughs> I mean, swear to God,
6: no pun intended. The, there, tough to there, be. There's
3: one, there's a garbage truck one in which it blew my mind. So like, there's know. some... There's some like I mean I'm telling you right now I've never really thought oh, of fashion as plan. like awesome <laughs> in the sense really of like it at all. storytelling but no but yeah. it, 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 I like the film a lot it worked for me it was it was it was kind of a pleasant surprise just get rid of five or six songs I mean there must have been what
0: 15 needle 30. drops 30 I, i'm putting it, it i'm putting it, it at about 30 like
3: every five minutes
0: it's it's endless. Endless. <laughs> instead,
5: of, instead of a box office uh guess we doing a, <laughs> <laughs> that long soundtrack. Needle How needle
0: drops? <laughs> oh my god there's a ton it literally is almost like every new scene that's starting up is some sort of transition music scene jakey see, so where are you funny. at I, with i it? didn't see it you didn't see it
4: i haven't seen it oh, yet oh man I was, I was i got the i got the screener but i also but i missed the screening and so I'd like to see it on the big screen. Um, hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna head out to the theater to go see it. Um, I didn't want to. I felt like I didn't want to see it at home. Yeah, I think Quiet Place I, I think too is good. We'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All anyway, right. Cruella is available as is, well, on Disney premiere. If you want to pay extra for it, it's gonna be in some theaters. Quiet Place only yeah. in theaters. Uh, and it feels like the movies are back uh, because of Cruella. We are playing uh, this week's blend game is hashtag Emma Stone blend. And uh, I want uh, Kevin to start us. Kev, what'd you go with?
3: I, it's so funny because i feel like easy a is, is the one i went to immediately i don't know mm-hmm. I, I just love that film I, but it's interesting I, I i mean la la land is clearly a choice that i've been swimming around in my mind um I, it's so funny i'm, I'm doing this in lifetime. I'm i'm in between easy la very la land. happy about i know i know he is. but <laughs> I, I, honestly i'm stuck in between those two um i probably you pick, would pick man if, if i if i had to choose it would probably be la la land okay because just because simply of how brilliant her performance is in that film but also just i love her character i love her arc i love that movie i love everything about that film it's like a perfect film um easy a i have not revisited as many times as la la land but easy a blew my mind when i first saw it just from a like i just, blew my mind is probably a, a strange term to use for it because it's not like an action film but it, i think i remember seeing patricia clarkson and stanley tucci and just thinking this is like the coolest household ever. I, l- I just loved that whole world that was built. Isn't Amanda Bynes in that too? She was great in Easy oh, I think Egg. she
0: is the, um, the girl that's the in her high school. Who's, uh, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Overly religious? Uh, is she overly religious? I don't remember. Or am I thinking um, of a different movie? I thought that was saved. I think I'm thinking of Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're thinking yeah. of someone else. Yeah, that might be right. Um, yeah.
3: But La-, La, La Land, I just feel like, and I feel like Lala La Land just meant a lot to her from a personal perspective. Because I remember... I was lucky enough to sit down. with. Her. I think I got her for, for like 15 minutes, one on one, for like a TV interview oh, wow. for La La Land. And this is before this is like before the film was like what it was. Right. So they were like traveling around her and Damien Chazelle did some did some like TV press throughout the country. And they came to D.C. and I saw the film at a festival called the Middleburg Film Festival. And, you know, I sat down and watched it. I, I heard buzz about it, but I I didn't know what to expect. I mean, the music. Uh, everything about that film. I, I always look at the scene where her and Gosling are at top of the hill at night in LA and they're dancing with that um, light pole behind them and the city mm-hmm. overlooking. And I'm just looking at her and I'm just like, like, this is flawless. Like, it's a flawless performance. I'm talking about physicality, but performing and also singing, like everything about that performance, it's just a, it's just a, it's a threat on all levels. Yeah. Um, and she 100% deserved the Academy Award for it. It is and I remember when I spoke to her for the, for that interview, I mean, she, it, she talked about it from a very personal perspective of like what her life was in terms of auditions. And I know that came up a lot in the interviews, but like, I have to imagine it was a cathartic experience for her. And it felt cathartic for me as a, a viewer, watching her character go through that. Cause I was thinking about her as well. Cause her mom and her went to LA and kind of auditioned her and all these things. I think she's from Arizona originally.
0: Oh, there's um, that moment of her coming out of the audition and there's so many like similar redheads. Mm-hmm in yeah. the hallway <laughs> waiting but, for the part. You know
3: what scene devastated me? And I never really understood this because I've heard actors talk about this before, but it's, it's the scene when she's in the audition and the person gets like a phone call. Oh, no, someone comes to the door behind her, mm-hmm. right? And they're signaling the, the casting directors and she's like in the middle of this incredible crying moment on the phone. And just like the devastation of like that moment where she's in full-blown character, like giving a, a performance of a lifetime. And it's just like completely... S- like, just skated over by someone knocking on the door. I think door. they were
0: ordering lunch. I think they yes. were able to get the lunch orders from the people Something in the about
3: room. That. And then you realize, like, they they just let an amazing actor go out the door who became a big star later on in the story. I also felt like that movie did a brilliant job of like, kind of like Whiplash, where it was th- like the best type of bittersweet ending you could think of. It's like, you, of course you wanted them to be together, but I also appreciated the fact that they both got to live their dreams and maybe they pushed themselves in that direction. Whiplash was a similar situation where he got to kind of have that final performance and I mean, it, it, it was, it was just... I don't know. I just found that movie to be so interesting and cathartic um, as just watching her arc. So,
0: you know, what's amazing about her arc in that, too, is that she has to convincingly play because by the end of La La Land, she's um, an A-list, you know, like her face is on a billboard and she's at Chateau Marmont, you know, with her husband. And she looks as glamorous as can be. And you think to where she starts at the beginning of the movie where she's serving coffee and looks like, a, you know, the girl next door kind of thing. Yeah. And Emma Stone can play both of those sides. You don't see her in either of them and think like, oh, she's not, you know, like if Emma Stone were the girl who's working the coffee lot at Warner Brothers, you yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, I don't believe her in that. She's credible in all of it. Right. She's she's fantastic.
3: So. I, didn't, I didn't want to pick that because I feel like it's too easy, but I can't think of another film that I would
4: talk that excitedly about in terms Jake? of performance so i also chose la la land there you go. It's um, just, for yeah, yeah for, for for two two scenes in particular one i mean one it's just my it's my favorite musical um of all time um but two, the two scenes that, that really to me solidify everything is a moment where she goes back to her parents house and gosling tries to come convince her look you got this audition you got to come back to la and she says something i'm I, forgive me if i butcher the line she says something like like I'm not good enough. And Gosling says like, no, what are you talking about? Of course you're good enough. And her response is, but what if I'm not? Mm. And that line and her delivery of that, because we've all felt that like where we've had, you know, people say, Oh, of course you like, you of course you've got this. Of course you're great. And then there's that part of you that goes like, but what if what? I don't? Because, yeah. and that's one of the reasons I love inside and Davis is this idea that like not everyone's dreams comes true. And what if I'm one of those people whose dreams don't? like you like we we're, we're all taught to believe that we're going to be those people whose dreams come true but a lot of most a lot of dream, I don't want to say most cuz that's so negative but a lot of dreams don't and so i think we've all had that fear where in the back of our head we're like what if we're those people whose dreams aren't going to come true mm-hmm. and her line delivery where she says like but what if i'm not what if i'm not good enough for that it's just heartbreaking to me and to your point kevin it is genuinely one of my favorite endings of all time oh. uh, because i love the idea because uh, I'm a big believer as, as someone who is still like out there in the dating world, that like not, a, a relationship not working out doesn't have to be a negative thing. Sure, like right. yeah, everyone has relationships that like don't end well or maybe it doesn't end on the terms, but there's a lot of things you can learn about yourself and what your expectations are out of life and what your expectations are out of a partner in a relationship that doesn't work out. And yeah. sometimes it's okay. And sometimes it's great when things don't work out and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing and that, that that unspoken nod between the two of them at mm. the end says yeah. more in, in in two shots than most movies say in their entire runtime. Like, it, it, there's so much that is spoken in that. Like, we're gonna be okay. Like, I like I think I'll always love you. I think you'll always love me. Things didn't work out, but look where like we're we're fine and we're going to be fine. And and that like she says more in her look back to him. I'm getting chills just talking about it. And then then most. Actors have ever said in any of their performances. So
3: it's you're, you're 100% right. That, that scene is just, oh. Yeah, right, go ahead, Sean.
0: I didn't want to pick La La Land. And everyone knows how much I adore it. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time. But um, people know that I'm immersed in uh, the Spider Man movies lately. And I've been revisiting and revisiting and revisiting and rewatching all of them uh, the Raimi films, the Web films, the MCU films. And I'm going with The Amazing Spider Man um, because. I've realized that that is my third favorite Spider-Man film. Uh, It it is the first one, I'm saying, the first one. Um, It is Mark Webb did a 500 Days of Summer that happened to have Spider-Man in it. Um, And if you go back and rewatch the Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone scenes, they're really, really great. Um, And when I watched that movie the first time through, the first few times through, I zeroed in so much on the Spider-Man stuff, right? The, the origin story and and how Andrew was playing Spider-Man and what the action looked like that I didn't not that I overlooked it, but I didn't focus as much on the how the two of them connected and sold that relationship. And uh and and now I just I think it's phenomenal. Um and I'm putting it in comparison to toby mcguire and um kirsten dunst and you know i think that andrew and emma had way more chemistry and even what they're trying to do with tom holland and zendaya i don't know if it's um solidified enough you know what their relationship is and it almost feels a little bit like it's happening only because they need it to happen in the story whereas the way that it develops in the amazing spider-man it's so organic and it's so believable and she sells it completely uh they both sell completely there's a reason why the two of them fell in love while working on that movie you can almost see them falling in love while you're watching it and so if i hadn't revisited that um multiple times in the past few weeks for the purpose of writing this book um i might not go with it i probably would go with la la land the way you guys did but just to be different um and because those movies mean so much to me uh i picked the amazing spider-man so that's where i'm going with that one
3: interesting Yeah, uh, her, her death scene in two is amazing.
0: Oh, it's phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. The rest of two is not that good. But uh yeah, but two's the first one is really, really good. Uh audience picks. Christian Williams went with the Battle of the Sexes. Uh the way she transformed into Billie Jean King was oh, outstanding.
3: Yeah. That was a good performance.
0: Dave Holmes uh said easy A. Randy Buss went with Zombieland, and Michelle <laughs> Garris and Danny GM said Crazy Stupid Love. She's also good a film... and Super Bad. Yeah, she is very good and super bad. Yes, um, crazy stupid love is one of those movies that's on Netflix, and I know that I like it. Um, and I, I want to crazy revisit stupid it, love. but I just i haven't pressed play on it again, but I'm going to sometime so soon. So great. Uh, so much participation. Oh, wait. Um, a shit ton of people said La La Land, obviously. Many, many others went with La La Land, of course. They did. Uh, so much participation. Thank you guys for, for weighing in this week. For next week, we're going to be playing this. Is fun, that's gonna be a lot of fun in how we define it, right, game It's going to be interesting. Hashtag summer I'm here movie to help blend. Oh, say it again, hashtag, say it again. I... Hashtag summer movie blend. That's, a really, movie that's blend. a really great idea. It is. That's yeah. a wonderful so Jake, idea. I'm glad you oh, said that because when I
5: came up with this uh, on my own, <laughs> yeah. uh, with no help from anyone, Son I thought a I'm a genius. <laughs> no, this is Jake's idea. <laughs> Jake, let me tell you how I thought we would define this, but okay. it's your idea, so I want you to define it. Sure. In the interest of it being favorite, uh uh-huh saying a movie that came out in summer sounds weird. I would say your favorite movie that either reminds you or
4: sort of evokes I, I, I would summer. argue, yeah, I, like I would even maybe go as, and granted, I don't want to limit your imagination, mm-hmm. but my thought was like takes place in the summer.
5: Sure, sure. And, I would and, say whatever and, whatever makes you feel like summer. You know how like you watch like sure. a certain movie yeah. in the fall, it makes you feel know, like the mine. fall, it makes you feel like yeah. spring or whatever.
4: Yeah, because like, okay. I, I, I often talk to you guys about how like, particularly now that I live in a city that actually has seasons. A lot of times there are movies that I only allow myself to watch yeah. at a certain time of year. The, the case in point, the th- I, I only allow myself really to watch the thing. If Chicago is under just a massive blizzard warning and it's about to get nuts and like, I'll usually make chili and turn on the thing. Cause it's just so great to have the snow blowing outside and then turn on the thing. Like, you know, so there are some summer movies that I cannot watch. There are, maybe, there are some movies I cannot watch unless it's just blistering hot outside. Hmm. And um and so for me that's that's what I thought of when I pitched yes. summer movies to okay. to Game.
5: So some of right. your picks for
0: your your favorite movie that reminds you of summer using the hashtag summer movie blend uh or emailing us at realblind at summerblend.com. and that's also where you can send us a review and this week Jose F munez sent us a review very short uh subject line says the best movie podcast period with four exclamation points. And Jose writes, I love these guys. They're so much fun to listen to. You can hear how much they love film. You guys should do a meetup in Wisconsin. Keep up the good work, guys. Huge fan. All right.
4: What do you guys think? Wisconsin? I mean, that's that's very convenient for me. So sure. <laughs> it is super
0: close to you. Yes. <laughs> and uh, cool. I'm only going to go during the summer movie season, Jose, because I do not like the cold.
4: Do you know but... what uh, Milwaukee means? No. Now, have you never seen Wayne's World? No. I mean, it's, I did, yeah. But so like, in, in Wayne's World, they live in Aurora, Illinois, ago. which is a suburb of Chicago, yeah. and they go up to Milwaukee to go see uh, Alice Cooper, and they get backstage passes. Backstage passes, with Alice Cooper, and that's where they do that they're showing the backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and Alice Cooper, who like you expect to be like this like hardcore rocker, goes on this beautifully eloquent like monologue about the Native Americans of the area and the the translations of different cities. And so he gives like a background to like the name Milwaukee. Because I I think Wayne goes like, so come to Milwaukee often? And he goes, actually, it's pronounced Milwaukee. It goes to this whole thing. (laughs) And then he goes, which means the good land. So every time I hear Milwaukee, I always like, because he's got this giant cane in his hand. And he he always goes like the good land, which I (laughs) I just picture Alice Cooper doing that. It's a very inside baseball. Kevin knows. Kevin was nodding. I've been trying to tell
3: you guys for years that heavy metal people are the nicest people on the planet. And they
0: know what Milwaukee means. And they know what Milwaukee means. <laughs> <And> <laughs> what everyone Milwaukee every, means. everyone
3: yes. assumes heavy metal people are angry.
0: We're not. Yes.
4: No, we love they're life. Not. They're I've nice never, people. I've never, I've never thought that. Now, right. movie podcast people, Yes.
0: <laughs> Our next premium episode is going to be a mailbag episode. So, hopefully, you guys Ooh. sent in your questions Ooh. for us. And again, you can access the premium episodes at cinemablend.com backslash real blend premium. We will be back at it next week with new movies that are opening. Is it finine? No, it's not finine yet. Oh, conjuring. The conjuring. I saw conjuring. Three. I saw conjuring also. And we're going to have the director joining us, Michael Chavez. Uh, who's going to talk to us about taking over for James Wan. So if you want to follow uh, us on social media and learn more about the show, we're at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show has at Real Blend. We will be back next week with Conjuring Stuff and the director and all your movie news needs met. Until then,
4: Hubie. Close Encounters of the Third no. Kind. Yeah, I was, I was just about Close Encounters. That's was, that was a good one.
0: Were you going to say Close Encounters too?
4: Yeah, I was going to say close cuz I was thinking about what Spielberg movie I was going to say.
0: Close, encounters, of I the third close kind. encounters. I love Close Encounters. I
4: love Close Encounters. This
1: means something. Love close encounters. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership.